Welcome back to the Pod of Greed. That's right. Another week, more news, more talk. Um, so a couple of quick things just to kick things off. Uh, first of all, I saw a suggestion in the comments, and so I wanted to just float the, float the idea to you guys of using a Google form as a way to um, submit like questions or you know topics and stuff for the podcast. Mm-hmm. The way that we currently do it is I just do YouTube community tab posts. But I have found that not as many people like necessarily know when those go up or they might miss them. And by having a Google form, I could even put it in the show notes on like, you know, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and stuff and people could see it there. So that'll always be open for them, right? Like it just yes. open. Always open and you can just submit stuff. And for us, it's a little easier to uh, a little bit easier to check and stuff like that. So we can just quickly get, you know, the questions to add to the pot and it could be a good way to send uh, a feedback as well. Yeah, feedback as well. That could be really cool. We could because like Google Forms lets you kind of pick what type of thing, and it's it's a whole thing. So if you guys think that would be a good idea, by all means, uh, maybe let you can us throw know. it in the form. Yeah. Um, oh, and in our descriptions, we're now adding the links to the stories that we talk about, so you guys can kind of follow along or reference the stories. You know, so you can see them too. Yeah, I know that's something that people were also talking about as well. They wanted. Like, hey, can you just have links to, like, you know, what the story is if we wanted to read it later on or whatever. So I do think that would be really cool. Um, and also still open to the idea of potentially doing, like, a clips channel on YouTube if you wanted to be able to consume the podcast in, you know, smaller pieces. like Bite-sized sort of chunks. Bite-sized chunks. That would basically be, like, each individual story that we talk about would just be, like, its own Sort of video. Like the Lunchables version of the Punchcast punch cast, podcast. The Punch... What is a Punchcast? I I, was, I just said lunch, and as I guess I just combined the lunch, lunch with pod, and I got punch. Yeah, so that would be really cool. Um, And, of course, there's other... We're open to anything, so, you know. Oh, not anything. It. Yeah, not anything, but, you know. It's not that kind of podcast. And it could be. I also wanted to uh, kick us off with another review. This one comes from Apple Podcasts, although I think next time I'm going to go to Spotify. Got to read one of the one-star reviews next time. We don't have any. Everybody loves us. (laughs) Don't change that either. Um, Okay, yeah, this is a five-star review. Um, It says, great podcast, not only focused on Yu-Gi-Oh!, but they also cover all the nerd gossip in the TCG metaverse. Kind of so cool. It's called meta- the metaverse. The word here. metaverse triggers me, but we'll, we might get into that later. I mean, hey, you know, it's like sort of sort of as a TCG metaverse. If you're like a card gamer, you kind of have to exist within it. Did you know you have to pay Mark Zuckerberg a penny every time you say the word metaverse? That would be really messed <laughs> up if that was true. He probably liked it that way too. Gotta pay him in Zuck bucks. Ew, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a college, uh, a college campus, um, like currency. You know how, like, get you some Zuck bucks. Yeah, it's like these are Zuck bucks or like Lion bucks or whatever your, your mascot is. Which I guess nowadays that would just be whatever like cryptocurrency. Paw points or oh god, you know. paw points. That was yeah. a thing back in when we were in college. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I guess let's get to the stories, huh? Yeah, let's talk card games. So they're in a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. And like I actually mean That's that because for a change. We're mostly like people are playing Yu-Gi-Oh right now, so mm-hmm. there's less stories. But that doesn't mean interest in the game is like. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, not a lot of like big Yu-Gi-Oh stories. Still plenty that like a person could 
feasibly talk about. The, the more into the game you are, the more to talk about. But we, we're kind of more of a general uh, card game and Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. Yeah, so uh, lots of regionals were happening, I know. Trail topped one. Yeah, Trail topped a regional with uh, a decky called HBO, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh stands for Wait, Horus no. Bestial Orcus. That's right. That's right. And uh, I did do a deck profile of his deck. It's uh, on the channel now, APS Amplifier, of course. So check that out if you like crazy pile. Yeah, very much a a crazy <laughs> pile of working, just co- working alphabet cards. soup decks. Yeah, very very on theme for for Trail to make like just a lot of engines, a lot of uh, mishmash, and it worked. Hey, it got him a top. Yeah, got him a top. So pretty cool. Um, I think that his originality knows no bounds as far as making Yu Gi Oh decks for these regionals goes. Um, also, I mean, you know, I think a story that I kind of was hearing people talk about a little bit, it's not like a huge announcement, but the, uh, new Goblin card that's coming oh, out. Oh, yeah, in, the Goblin uh, Riders. Yeah, so the Goblin Riders, or I think as they're now going to be called, the Goblin Bikers, are, you know, they're going to be in the next set, and... No, 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 don't you gloss over that. That's what they're no, called. I want to go on record. Many, if you've been around around this channel long enough, you already know I can't stand Konami's uh, naming translations from the jet from the OCG to the TCG. Why did they change it from Goblin Riders to Goblin Bikers when they clearly don't ride bikes? Yeah, I don't know what that's supposed to be about, but they did show um, the new Goblin Rare, go, go, Goblin ultra, Rare, Goblin Rare, <laughs> the new Ultra Rare. Goblin uh, sneak peek card that you'll get for going to Phantom Nightmare. I believe it's called, um, what is it actually called? Goblin Biker. Rider. Goblin Biker Grand Entrance. So, um, yeah, people will be able to get their hands on it here in a couple months. It's actually an interesting archetype because I did not know it goes along with the Snake Eye story. Yeah, it's in that lore with uh, Diabelle Star. What does that have to do with her? Do you know? Do we know? Diabelle Star, we see that she has a wanted poster, right? In the uh, very expensive Secret Rare Quick Play spell. Mm-hmm. Well, the Goblin bikers, yeah. they saw the wanted poster, and one of them spies uh, Diabelle Star kind of walking around, and now they're all just trying to work together to capture her to get her bounty. Okay. Interesting. Well, I know that as an archetype goes, it seems like it's just sort of a. Like a rank three, rank four, like an Xyz. Yes, yeah, definitely. It's kind of an an Xyz. I wouldn't call it necessarily combo, but everything combos kind of mid range. Mid range. Um, one interesting thing about them is their effects can detach materials from Xyz monsters just on the field, mm-hmm. which actually makes them yours a, or your opponents. Yeah, which actually makes them a pretty good counterplay strategy to Pirelli, which. Um, you know, like you can pull Xyz materials off of, say, like Expirelli Noir, which is That's normally nice. pretty troublesome because, like, when she has, uh, or it has five or more materials, it's like unaffected by your opponent's guard effects. Mm-hmm. But you can always pull Xyz materials off of things. Same with like Xyz Encore, that old quick play spell. So that kind of makes these a bit of a check uh, to that deck's power as well. But I remember cool. when reading the Goblin Bikers um, weeks ago that. My the, my first issue with the deck was that there weren't really there wasn't like a clear like set of like starter cards for it. So even if it does have some good utility against Pirelli, I mean, it might still struggle as a standalone deck. 
Yeah, we'll have to see how it fares, I guess, just in the OCG metagame now that it's uh, out and about. Maybe it'll be in one of those uh, acronym alphabet soup decks. Could it'll be it. the G in um, someone's HGTV deck. Yeah, there, there's always a new name. I mean, there's like HBO that I'm sure. Horus Goblins. What's What could the T be? T-R-Lament. T-R-Lament. What could be V? V- um, uh, there's something with a V. What virtual they- World. Virtual oh, World. There it is. Or, uh, is there? Yeah, probably Virtual World. Vernaself. <laughs> Someone <laughs> will probably throw Vernaself in there. I remember actually a few years ago, um, there was a deck called AIDS. Oh, God. Yeah. It was, they, uh, they called, it was like Artifact. It was Artifact Invoked Dogmatica Shadal. No. And uh, I know, like, obviously, like, Trellis HBO. There was that one. There was one kind of. There's something else recent. Like, I know we've had Hat. Yeah, I mean, Hat's a classic. Oh, okay. <laughs> this one was funny. Uh, people thought I made this up, but I actually just saw it on, like, Twitter somewhere. Birth Control. It is a... Oh, new, yeah. Kashdira yeah. deck. So, Kashdira got, like, top 32 at the YCS, a couple, you know, a couple weeks ago now. Anyway, um, it was... Because, like, Kashdira Arise Heart is banned, and TCG, if you play Kashdira, by and large, you're just playing, like, Fenrir, Unicorn, just kind of... Rank seven sort of control sort of just thing, and it relies a lot on birth, Kashira birth, a card that's obscenely strong for like an archetype support, and so people call it birth control. And <sighs> I was just like, wow, we Yu-Gi-Oh knows no bounds. So y'all need to chill, Yu-Gi-Oh yeah. players watching this, y'all y'all need to chill. So this is where we are in Yu-Gi-Oh is uh, calling decks birth control, but um. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of an interesting little thing. Let's see. Any other Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! stuff going on? I guess this week, um, the the new set comes out. What is that called? It has Centurions? Yeah, uh, Valiant... Valiant Smashers. Smashers, yep. Yeah, okay. So we talked about this a little bit last week. So there's not really too much new to say. By the time you guys are seeing this, I guess you'll have been able to get your hands on... Um, it releases on a Thursday? Well, Wednesday if you have an OTS store. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I want to pick it up. And, um, yeah. So, it's cool. I think that they, I've seen that the pre-order prices for them are a little bit high. So, like, uh, know, hopefully they're able to be gotten. Like, I'm hoping that uh, the hype won't be too high, given that we've just got Age of Overlord. We just got Rarity Collection. Aren't y'all Yu-Gi-Oh carded out? Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. So, um, well, to finish the, thing, the thought on Valiant Smashers, I thought you were going to build the mementos. The mementos are less interesting than the centurions. The centurions. Okay, and what's the third one? I don't even remember. I don't feel like anyone talks about the third one because they don't deserve. It. Um, oh, what is their name? It's the. Um, oh man, Ugh, blanking. Yeah, it blank. Uh, it blanks Va- me. Valmonica. Valmonica. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I remembered. Yeah. So, I mean, what changed your mind about mementos? Yeah. Oh, or are they, you also going to build it and just? So, mementos is more of like I'm just going to pick that up because no one wants it kind of deck. Yeah, it'll be cheap. But um, the Centurions actually seem competent in like doing yeah. what they want to do. I've heard like people are combining them with like Manadium and other things like that. So they yeah, because they do they do have a synchro, so you can combine it with other synchro like strategies. So 
So what you mentioned though before about like how you know there's been so many packs recently, I saw that Ruxin did a video about this, um, and maybe a couple other people were talking about it. Uh, there's a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh products kind of just firing off like yeah, quickly, going crazy. Because basically, Age of Overlord drops, and then two weeks later, you know, Rarity Collection drops, and then two weeks later, uh, Valiant Smashers drops. And something that I didn't actually notice about Valiant Smashers until just the other day, like in his video. It's the first time, correct me if I'm wrong, someone, but I think Correcting. it's the first time, they will, it's YouTube, um, that they've gotten, they've squeezed out three deck builder sets in one year. They did? Yeah, because Amazing Defenders came out in January. What was in that one? And that was um, Rescue Ace, Pirelli, and, Ver- and um, Vanquish Souls. And No, 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 Vanquish Souls no? in the middle. And, um,. Makonko. Oh, that's right. And then the middle of the year was when we got Wild Survivors, and that was Vanquish Soul, the dinosaur archetype, Transcendosaurus, Transcendosaurus and um, I don't remember what, the, and uh, Nouvelle. Oh, yeah, and yeah, Nouvelle. Yeah, yeah. So normally they do two of these sets per year. Like there's, it's like usually mid year, end year, mid year, end year, mm-hmm. like December, you know, like May, December, May, December, something like that, June, December. And this time they actually squeezed in three of them. Because this would normally, this set would be like where Amazing Defenders is. Like it'd come out in like January or so. But it sounds like Konami actually just wants to get as much as they can out for the holidays. Yeah, that's my guess is that it's kind of a push to just get a lot out in the holidays. Have a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh products on the shelf. I don't know how I feel about it though. I mean, to be clear, to be clear. This is like a good problem to have in the big scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we have too many Yu-Gi-Oh products to buy go ahead now i'm annoyed because i was looking at a um sales chart for tcgs for uh, last month Mm -hmm. i didn't include it in my list of stories because it was kind of dated but since we're talking about this i'm really kicking myself that i didn't add it because it while valiant while valiant smashers won't be uh in wasn't on that list it showed that um for last month the top selling products were uh Number one, this is from TCG Player, to be clear. Mm-hmm. So, limited market. But uh, the Doctor Who set, uh, those Commander decks was number one. Number two was Rarity Collection. Okay, yeah. And then at, like, number four or five was Age of Overlord. Okay. And um, it would just it just showed that Yu-Gi-Oh! products were moving, uh, outselling many card games last month. And I think with Valiant Smashers coming out uh, this week, Yu-Gi-Oh! will continue to be at the top of those charts. Yeah, I think like having a lot of products like this, there certainly can be some product over like overload, a bit of just fatigue of things to buy. Not for me. But I will say that it's again, I think it's like a, a there are worse things mm-hmm. that could be happening. Like I think the worst I could say about there being a lot of products is probably just that it might be a little bit like overwhelming for someone new to just like know like what to get. But I think that there's just been so much positive reception for Rarity Collection. It's just it's an exciting set to to talk about. It's an exciting set to open. It's a just a night. It's finally a, a product where like it's an easy recommend, and if a person buys it, they won't really be disappointed. Like yeah, you're gonna it's, open, um, you're gonna good get, value for money, man. Like yeah, it's great value for money. I mean, I've, I've so many sets, and it's kind of weird the way this works. Pot of Prosperity and Triple Tactics uh, Talent are always in the same pack for me when I open Rarity Collection. It's very weird. So it's like, imagine opening a pack and just pulling, like, Prosperity and Talents and three other, like, decent, like, reprint cards in, like, one pack. 
I went into our stack of Raider collection cards, y'all, and I just like snatched three ashes and three imperms. I ain't tell nobody. Oh, really? they wasn't okay. go- y'all, y'all wasn't yeah. gonna miss them. Yeah, we we do we have a lot of uh, rarity <laughs> collection that we've opened, but like it, it's a good set for that reason. I think if anything, maybe if I just had to be a, a Debbie Downer because you know it's on brand for me. Uh, with uh, Valiant Smashers, it is a collector's rare set, and those yeah. are a little those are mean with the rarities. They they, it, they can be rude, especially three when, ultras per box. You know, there's one archetype that most people want, then there's. Another archetype that some people want, and then there's another archetype that pretty much no, no one, one wants, wants, and those bottom two are going to be most of your pulls. Yeah, and, and those boxes are they're mean. Like, it's like you get three ultras per box, and that's all you're guaranteed. And the, the good you, set's always going to have, like, three ultras. Yeah, and it's it's very... I'm still surprised they haven't changed the rarity distribution on those yet. I just feel like it's a bit... It feels like a very dated practice to be that stingy with the amount of foils in a but world where, like, you know. It's weird. Because it's dated, that's so Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, yep. they, they don't like changing these things. They like these archaic systems of pulling rare cards and pretending like that's okay. But it's not. I just want to be clear. What we do with the, the, the Yu-Gi-Oh TCG and PAX is not cool, but. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go out. And just say it one more time. I, I think that Yu-Gi-Oh needs to just move to mixed rarity system. By mixed yeah. rarity system, I mean like cards can be like secrets or whatever, but like also just make a super rare version that's like easy to pull, so people can have it. And if they want to spring for the shiny altar, whatever you want to call it, like version that's like forty, fifty, sixty bucks, good for you. For the rest of us, if you just want to like play the deck and get the cards, just play the cards. Please man. just let it be accessible. It would be easier that way. One last quick thing about that set that I didn't know is that they do have quarter centuries in it. It <clears> is the first, uh, I, if I'm right about this, is the first of the deck builder sets that has a few quarter centuries. I think there's only like three or four, but um, well, they do have them. That's something for the collectors. So I that, do yeah, that wanna, could be for the collectors. You know, the, the talk about like rarities and prices of cards. I do want to talk about how. Um, you know, Paul and I, we did the Rare Hunter series, and we're currently doing the Slifer Slacker series. Yeah, new episode of that will be up. Very soon. Pretty soon. Might be, might even be up when you're seeing this, don't know. But um, I, it's been forced on me to realize that this whole rarity-gating powerful cards thing, it's, it's a new thing. This isn't how Yu-Gi-Oh! has always been. Yeah. Like... Your secret rares in a box were not always the best cards in the set. Oftentimes, they straight up weren't. Yeah. Like, when Paul and I did Rare Hunters, Paul, what rarity was Pot of Greed? Yeah, Pot of Greed was a rare in like, L.O.P., which What is was the wild. rarity of Trap Dust Shoot? Yeah, that's a common. Like, Brain Control. Like, all these extremely powerful staple cards that we use in Rare Hunters that we're using in Slifer Slackers, low rarity. Easy to yeah. get. Well, something specifically for Slifer Slackers that's, like, wild to me, because um, we're doing, like, the GX era sets. Um, and there's a couple of sets from before here where I could start, like, Soul of the Duelist and stuff. They did the thing where, like, cards are just rare and then ulti in the same set. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just to use a recent example, in the set Shadow of Infinity, a not amazing set. but um, It's not great, yeah. The example I'm going to use here is Karma Cut. Which was a really pretty impactful like trap card for the time. You know, discard a card, banish a monster, burning abyss format. Yeah, like ten years after its release. (laughs) But but yeah, so karma cut like good card, good staple. You could get it as a rare. You could also get really lucky and pull it as an ulti. 
And the same goes for like brain control. That was mm-hmm. in the Lost Millennium when we started the series. It came as a super rare and also an ultimate rare. And ultimate brain control is worth loads. Yeah. Especially if you're like a, a first dead one. But still, like the average person could feasibly expect to just pull like a super copy of brain control. So you could actually use the card. And that just tells me like Yu-Gi-Oh has not always been this way. Like there have been plenty of successful examples of mainline sets doing a mixed rarity system and people being able to get cards. And so I hope that that's something that they consider changing just for, for accessibility's sake. I think cards are meant to be cards. Like, I and think they're meant to know, be played meant by to be people played. who want to use them. They're meant to be like cards that you play the game with against other people who play the game. I, I just, I'm not really a big fan of like cards as like a, this big investment thing. And like, you know, Especially when it comes to the hindrance to actually playing the game. Yeah, like as long as everybody can play, I don't mind like alternate things being like worth mm-hmm. a lot or like old school cards. But like that's a that's a different conversation. But I just mean like when a new set comes out, I think we should all have like relatively easy access to IP or SB Little Knight or whatever card. So. In case you weren't noticing, guys, I have changed my tune on Little Knight. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, people weren't too. <clears throat> I, I've People learned, educated. I learned my lesson, guys. I just want you to know that. But yeah, no, it, it's it's um, it's I do think it's true. I think like people should be able to play cards. Okay, uh, I think that's all like TCG side stuff. I've I got, do have one TCG thing. I mean, it's kind of OCG, but I want to br- I want to uh, bring light to this because it's I think it's really cool that uh, it, it, it's happening. It's just it's not here yet, but um. The in Legacy of Destruction in the OCG, they announced the oh, Yugi support. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought this up. I mean, we would have forgotten. Yeah, that's, that is the coolest <laughs> thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, in this in Legacy of Destruction, we have the Yugi support, which it's themed around Yugi's ceremonial duel with the Pharaoh, where they duel for control of the body. Though I don't, what, the Pharaoh wasn't going to take the body, right? He was going to stay around. He just wouldn't have been. I think the He's context for that duel is that like he needed to move on to the afterlife, but mm-hmm. in order to do that, he needs to lose, right? Because he doesn't like lose. Because he can't lose. Yeah, it's too cool. Unless you consider like the filler arc where it's like the Doma thing, but that's not. Exactly and we don't talk about him like so. losing on purpose. Yeah, or like the Duelist Kingdom thing, but. Yeah, he needs to like formally lose a duel that that mm-hmm. will complete his just him his life, um, and so that's why he and Yugi. And it going. falls to Yugi to put him away or put him down, maybe put him away. <laughs> and uh, sort of, you know, Yugi uses a deck that has pretty much never been seen before of his like favorite cards in true Yugi fashion. It used like Gandora, Dragon of Destruction, the Silent Swordsman, Silent Magician, the Gadgets, Marshmallow, and all of them have been retrained into their new. Um, I guess you'd call them. Sarcophagus of light forms. Yeah, it's so the way that this archetype works is very intriguing to me because it is. Um, there's like the the gold sarcophagus of light, I mm-hmm. believe, is what the card is, yep. like a continuous spell, and it kind of enables everything else to function. So all of these other cards and their supports, like spells and traps and stuff, kind of either search this sarcophagus of light or just when it's on the field, they'll get additional effects, or mm-hmm. it's my, it might be like what lets you summon them and all that. And it's unique because um, they these archetypes work together. Like they don't. So like the silent magician and the silent swordsman aren't really part of like the, the silent archetypes. The silent archetypes from before. They just are part of this archetype, and it's neat. 
Yeah. They keep the same idea behind those monsters. Like the silent cards, they do kind of level up and get stronger over time. The gadgets are actually three gadgets in one card. And they do search. It's kind of limited in what they do. Mm -hmm. And uh, what this deck reminds me of is um, two. It reminds me of two different decks. It reminds me of Bougians. Because of that uh, protect the tower style of uh, gameplay. But the, the tower in this case isn't a monster. It's a spell card. Yeah. But it also reminds me of the gate guardian uh, re retrain and support that we got in Maze of Memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maze of Memories. This kind of um, mid-rangey reimagining of cards that just make them work together in a cohesive strategy. Yeah, you can finally make a Yugi character deck. Actually, I was going to say it reminds me of the Horus archetype that we just got in like Age of uh, Overlord, okay. where they're all about that one, uh, the King Sarcophagus yeah, or whatever. Yeah, King Sarcophagus. Continuous spell, and as long as that's in the field, everything else can kind of mm-hmm. fall in line. I think it's cool, though. I think this approach to uh, recreating... Anime characters who had these otherwise extremely disparate sets of monsters, right? Like, just didn't have anything to do with each other. And these and cards were random. All that. <laughs> kind of recreating them in a, a functioning archetype together. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if they were to, say, do this for Kaiba, then it would not be, oh, yay, more blue eye support. It would actually just be, like, Battle Ox and Vorse Raider and, uh, like, cards. The Judge Man. And, like, the Judge Man and stuff. And they're just together. And they kind of have one cohesive little thing. And I think that could be really cool. Like, I feel like this is actually going to be a very popular, like, fan deck. I'm going to build a Yugi deck. Oh, we'll do it. We will do a theme duel for sure. I think that that would be cool to see is, like, a Yugi versus the Pharaoh. Because the Pharaoh is really more of, like, the dark magician. Yugi deck about to get bodied. (laughs) Or is it, though? I mean, like, who knows? It probably I mean, it, I, I, like will this deck be like competitive? Yeah, probably not. But like, it's cool. So. Oh, we can even have it face against like a grandpa's Exodia deck or something. I've always thought they should have given more context to grandpa's deck. Like besides just Exodia, like what is it? I mean, it's all the cards Yugi used in that first duel against Kaiba because that that was his deck. Yeah. The, so what was that? Um, I guess it'd be like Wing Dragon Guardian Wing the Fortress, Dragon Guardian Celtic the, Guardian. Yeah, kind of the cards we associate with Yami. I mean, those are become yeah. Those yeah, are grandpa's his decks. Okay, yeah. So, so I thank you for adding that story because I, I, I totally something. totally would have forgotten. Um, so I guess that's all for TCG. Yeah, now that that's all I have. All right, a couple quick master duel things. So master duels updates and stuff have all happened since last week. A lot of neat little um, quality of life features actually added to the game. You can um, choose your own music. Not yet. Please add that master duel. Please just let me let me add my own music. That's all I ask. If you guys will just. That's all I ask. You don't have to ban any certain card or any of that. Um, but, yeah, so since quality of life stuff, menus and things like move a little faster or whatever, there's more information you can find. They change the animation for cards when they get, like, banished or sent from top of deck to mm-hmm. grave. Just little stuff. Um, the ritual event has started. Um, I like the selection of loner decks this time. What they got? They've got um, a Blue Eyes Chaos Max deck. Ugh. A Nouvelles deck, because they oh, just got added okay. to Master Duel. Yeah. The yeah, Hungry like Burger that. deck. Apparently, that's a pretty popular one in the event It in should general. be. And then also on the Liebermancer deck is a loner. Oh, that's which, cool, too. Which I think is neat. So, that's fun. Um, and other than that, I mean, it's just kind of Master Duel as usual. I did make a Master Duel ban list predictions video. Uh, it was... 
it was fun to make another bandless predictions video after such a long time because I have not really made those um, very much in, in recent years. And I was just reminded of how, like, so for some context, I was just saying in my video, like, they'll probably aim to hit, like, Pirelli, Labyrinth, Kashtira to some degree, and maybe, like, Math Mech or Dragon Link, but maybe less likely so. So those are, like, kind of the five big decks in Master Duel right now, and just to varying degrees... <laughs> A lot of people don't like facing them, and I'm sure Konami will have to do something about them. And it was so funny when I was like just first reading the comments on the video because there's whenever you do a ban list video, mm -hmm. there's such a strong dichotomy of like, oh my god, yes, thank you, someone's finally saying like ban this deck, like I'm thing. I'm so tired of like losing to to labyrinth, like please just ban them all. And then like you scroll two comments down, and it's like. You guys, you need to get good. Stop complaining about Labyrinth. It's totally fair. I don't know what people's deal is. Ask the Labyrinth's Labyrinth not player. even that good. It loses to one Ash Blossom. They shouldn't hit it. This it's like, and it just it reminds me of why I guess like, I get why companies like you can't really just listen to everyone's feedback mm -mm. because that's like the dichotomy you're working with here. And so I also got like people's comments in that video where they were like. I think doing the typical thing where like they attributed my predictions to like m m like serving my own interests. Right. Like people will do that thing where they're like, oh, well, of course you want to get that deck hit. You're just complaining about the decks you can't beat and you lose to them and that's why you want them to get hit. That's no fair. Just because you don't like the deck doesn't mean it has to get hit. And it's like... <sighs> you do, but you do like lose to Labyrinth and like, you know... Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's this like this w weird thing where I guess people... I play Labyrinth. <laughs> like, and I think a lot of people don't know that. Because, like, when I make these videos, I try to approach them, like, I try to carefully not mention what deck I'm using. I just say, here are the decks that are doing really well, and I think Konami will likely hit. And I make it a point not to mention if I have or haven't used any of them myself personally, or if I have any vested interest in them. But I know when people see these videos, I think that what they read is, like, you're just trying to hit my favorite deck because it beats because your it beat deck. Your, yeah, because it beat yours. Paul's just salty. He lost a labyrinth one day, and it's like, no, no. I mean, I have a labyrinth deck in real life. I have one on Master Duel. I play them. I like them. It's a favorite archetype of mine, but it doesn't change the fact that it's probably like on Konami's line of fire. And I so in my video, I tried to sort of raise a few different just perspectives on how the cards could get hit. Like, Labyrinth could get hit this way, or maybe it could get hit this way, or maybe it could get hit this other way. Or also, something else that I didn't even mention, because it's Konami and it's Master Duel, and they hit things in all kinds of ways. And I did the same thing for Kashtira, and I also got the same selection of comments, where it's just sort of like, Yes, like, please kill Kashtira, I'm so sick of Arise Heart, it's like so broken. And then other people who are just like, Kashtira, it's like, please, like, y'all just can't get good and beat Arise Heart, it's so easy to beat, and Kashtira's so bricky. And it's just like, like I get. I think I truly understand now. Gamers, like it just. There's too many opinions to like truly take into account. Like people don't know what they want. Just LA. don't hit my deck and hit every everything other else. Deck. That that's all hit I'm at. Every that's deck all you that have to beats do. me ever. Mm -hmm. If I lost to it, it should be banned. Exactly. So yeah, I think Master Duel will probably have another ban list. It probably won't be for a while though, because they've announced the next like Duelist Cup. So oh, it's yeah. going to be like gotta, December, gotta let that so. rock. So that'll have to go through, and then they'll probably do some ban list afterwards. Who knows what they'll hit? But um, check out that ban list predictions video if you dare, and uh, and hop in the comments and spar with everyone else. Yeah.
you can spar and fight and I'll take the engagement. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think that's it for Master Duel, though. Okay. Uh, for other TCGs, it wouldn't be a pot of greed episode if I didn't have something to say about magic. There's the gathering. Cool. Let's see. Where is it? What's Here their new collab? So they announced a new secret layer. That's their kind of limited release of a... Uh, of, Fewer cards, but um, better artwork, I would, I'd say. Oh, all right. So this secret layer is Tomb Raider. Hmm. Uh, it feels it feels kind of right. It feels like a good time because the Lost Caverns uh, came out. The last Lost Caverns of Ixalan, which is this whole story about exploring these hidden caverns beneath this area. Lots of it feels very Indiana Jonesy, you know, this exploration and whatnot. So we got the Tomb Raider secret layer, and it's a bunch of reprints, but they're they've been Tomb Raider fied. It feels like it's inspired by um, more so the original Tomb Raider and not the um, the recent games, or it might. But it might be a vice versa. Maybe maybe it's the opposite. I'm not 100% sure. Mainly because I didn't play the remakes. I should have. I know. Oh, like the newer console yeah. games. Yeah. But there is one new card. and Because they, they actually made a Laura Croft uh, commander that you can use. Ah, I, I hit something and I lost my page. But, uh, yeah. Okay, well, I'll say this. Um, I think that that's a pretty... It feels like a safe, fitting collaboration. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing too too wild or crazy. Not to say that I'm opposed to wild or crazy, but just that, like, this seems like it's a... No, there's no reimaginings here. It's Lara yeah, Croft. Like, it's not... That's what it looks like. Yeah. It's not Black Aragorn. <laughs> it's not... Yeah, it's not Black Aragorn. And it's... N- but it's also not polygonal Lara Croft. That would be funny, actually, <laughs> if that's what they made. It was just... Like, just an old school... Like, this is the PS1 model or whatever. Just, and Yeah. Just... Bricked out and yeah, I was gonna say bricked up, but no, that's not what that is. The fans not. might be, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll call it the showing of the cards. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't really show the audience, but they can. They, you can hit the link to see them. Heart of the Explorer, the Lost Valley. Okay, you can see here in all these arts. Cool. For some reason, on the, we use this app called Pocket to save our stories. It gives you like a modified version of the web page, so we only have two images here. Yeah, I mean, you can go to the full web page. There's like a button for it. I but gotta figure that out. Look in the top corner. So if there are more card images, we will be linking this story, by the way, now. As we've said, we link these stories, so if you guys want to click it in the description, you can check it out. Ah, oh, yeah, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. Oh, I, I like the art for her. I like a lot, the art for a lot of these. The Grim yeah. Whisper. The um, artwork is actually what really... What is that? Toti's... Totex Spear? Mm-hmm. This is cool. Okay, I, as somebody who... Um, you know, I don't know a lot about Lara Croft personally. Like, I didn't have a PS1 well, and I, stuff. I didn't know her very well myself. I just because, <laughs> like... She's a person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know of the series very much personally. Um, Actually, now that I look at this artwork, it does feel like it's inspired by the remakes. It, it feels like it has the same kind of look that most of them do. But I didn't have a PS1, so I never really got to play, like, kind of those original you Tomb Raider games. You didn't have a PS1? Wait, I, well, my sister had one. Uh, but it was all, like, kind of... The game she wanted, basically. Uh, Which was a lot of Digimon games. Digimon like Rumble and uh, Crash Bandicoot, Crash Team Racing. But I really like the art on those. Yeah, It speaks to me. If I was a Magic player, which I'm not. Soon. Until they make uh, their Harry Potter collab, then I will be. Um, Final Fantasy's next year. Or that. I'll play for that. 
Um, I like the art. I, I really do. I think it's cool. So Secret Layers means, like, I guess it's like a more limited run. Yeah. It's it's only for a period. I, I think it's only for a month or so. So did that just come out, or is it, like, coming out, like, next year or something? Oh, that's a good point. What's the date on that? I didn't know if that was, like, a thing that you're meant yeah, to buy it's, for Christmas. I don't think it's or... out quite yet, because they just announced it. This yeah, announcement was on the Christmas the 13th. Christmas thing is, like, Jurassic Park or something, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, because I remember reading that. In Jurassic Park and, and something else. November 20th. Oh, so it is this month? Yeah, looks like it. Oh, okay, cool. But only available for a limited time. Yeah, maybe I'll just buy one, like just to open Laura Croft and see what that looks like. I don't know. I, I feel like I might get one. I like the Tomb Raider series. I, I will play the newer ones at some point. Cool. Uh, any other card game stories? I don't have too many other card game ones, but I wanted to kind of get them all together if you have more. I have a card game adjacent one. Sure. Uh, this is a Pokemon story. Uh, Pokemon actually released a new, or at least they, they released a trailer for a new Netflix show. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Wait, wait, wait. That's the one called like Pokemon, oh, I forgot the name. Pokemon Concierge. Oh, yeah, okay. So Concierge. it's a stop motion a uh, Pokemon kind of car- cartoon about a girl and her Psyduck as she rush as she doesn't work she doesn't run it but she works at a hotel for people in Pokemon. They previewed this actually back at Worlds. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 that was all. It was like a very brief preview. So what? So what happens here? So, like I said, it's a stop motion animated deal where this girl Haru and her Psyduck. Are helping. They're they're helping at this hotel for people in Pokemon, and she has she can't really talk to the Pokemon, so she kind of has to just figure like <laughs> figure out what they need and what they want, so that they can all enjoy themselves at this hotel. It's a very like heartwarming kind of feel good like entertainment piece. It's this isn't some drama filled battle shonen, you yeah. know. Like I mean, if it's stop motion. Man, that's gonna look cool. I haven't gotten a chance to look at the trailer, so I will check that out actually right after we're done. Yeah, and it's gonna be uh, in the description. Just hit the link, check it out. That reminds me, actually, too. Um, we did watch finally the Paldean Wins episode. Oh yeah, the, we watched the second one. Yeah, the second one. Um, I wanted to maybe cover it because it's been out for like two weeks now or something. We're always behind. But um, that was also really cool. It was about like the guy who's trying to beat um Nimona, and he doesn't like trust his. Pokemon to be able to do it. Which is tr- it will never be Meowskarada's fault. It will never be. And there's like the weird thing with the candy that they shared and they, <laughs> he opens the candy and gets like the lucky thing inside, the chocolate ball. And It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a feel good story about a, a boy um, kind of rekindling his bond with his Pokemon. Yeah, it brings me back to that age old thing I've wanted in Yu-Gi-Oh for a long time. That the Pokemon just always makes me so envious of their ability to they, they make so much just, like, kind of alt-media. Mm-hmm. Like, just little short series. Like, there's always, like, the Pokemon Origins, Pokemon uh, Generations. Was that, like, the But, like, you do ones. know Yu-Gi-Oh! did that, right? I mean, did it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! has an entire season that's just Pokemon. Well, go on. Yeah, Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh! Capsule Monster. Way back in what year? <laughs> 2000 and... Six, yeah, like seven? five, six. No, yeah, it here. was after the original run of run of Yu Gi Oh. It's after Battle City. After pretty much everything, uh, 
four kids was like, we need more Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, it took a mini arc thing. And they they commissioned an entire Yu-Gi-Oh season. That was, it was Pokemon. They, But like Yu-Gi-Oh fine. So they had these like kind of dual disc things, mm-hmm. but they shot capsules so that they could capture and summon their monsters. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think like Yu-Gi-Oh should get back to that. Now, so they technically have equivalents of that like in the OCG. Like they're not like, video series yet but like i think of like the Yu-Gi-Oh the structures manga what is that called oh yeah you, uh, ocg structures ocg structures where it's like just about sort of normal people playing these decks that are but like, that's not real pokemon decks. that's like beyblade well I, I don't need it to be like pokemon i just need it to be like i want Yu-Gi-Oh to get like a monthly short that it's it releases al- okay alternative that, yeah like, like alternative media that kind of just sort of fills out your Yu-Gi-Oh fandom a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when there's not a currently running anime or whatever, it's just like, hey, here's Yu-Gi-Oh like structures, like OCG structures. They're just playing whatever kind of the most recent like actual real life sort of decks are. Or there's that idea that everybody has about making like a um like Albaz lore into sort of a mini arc, right. like a mini anime or, you know, the Vesis lore right now or it's Snake Eyes lore or even just doing like what Magic the Gathering does where like when a new set comes out, they have a trailer for the new set. Oh, the trailer. Yeah, and like, even if it's like only like a minute or two, I mean, that alone can be enough to, I think, get people into the into the mythos of like what's going on with these it archetypes. It contextualizes what's happening in the artworks. It engages yep. people. And I know, like, maybe I'm asking for the moon here. It's Konami, but like, come on, you can do a little more. I mean, <laughs> like, with Konami, how are you going to monetize it? You know, like that's probably what they're what they they're asking. Can we get money from it? No, then. We'll never do it. So, um, yeah, it really sucks, but I would certainly like it. I know Pokemon um, Paldean wins. It's been good. Mm-hmm. This Pokemon Concierge looks good. And I also think uh, Pokemon Horizons, I don't have a story for this, but I did see this past week that they announced it's like going to be coming out, I think, this December. On, like, I thought you'd been watching it. I've been watching the Japanese version. Oh, that's right. You watch it illegally. But uh, I think the the English dub is supposed to be coming out like in December, so um, that'll be really cool. I you believe it? it's going to be on Netflix. I don't take my word for that. Am I gonna? If they re- okay, I'll only watch it if they release it in like a big chunk, like in the Netflix way. So you, know? you don't support English voice actors? No, I do. I'll, I'll, but I'm only watching it in that. I am not about to watch week to week this dub of this show that I've already been watching week to week. <laughs> don't give me that. Like I'm not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, the thing is, I'm so... Let's cancel them, y'all. Like, it's on, like, episode, like, 27 or something now. So, like, I don't want to go back to episode one and then watch, like, week to week. Now, if they do the thing where, like, it comes out on Netflix and it's, like, episode one through 25 all at once or something, sure, I'm okay with that. Like, I'll do that. But I just don't... Because I'm interested in, like, how the English voice cast sounds, but I'm not, like, watching it week to week. That's, <laughs> that's not happening. So, uh... Yeah, cool. I guess that's the that's the Pokemon uh, yep. new Pokemon show. All right. Well, I have uh, some video game news what and got? some movie news. You can take your pick as to which one you want to talk about first. Uh, Games or movies? Movies. All right. Five hundred. Movies for five hundred. That's not what the Marvels made at the box office. If we're talking millions. Oh, here we go. Um. The Marvel's movie bombed at the box office, and here's what it means for the future of the once-mighty MCUs, as this article headline. 
yeah, so as you guys know, that new movie, The Marvels, um, came out this past week and has not been super well received. I know it did not have very promising, like, pre-order kind of ticket stories weren't looking great do for we it. actually like look at ticket pre-orders for movies though i do not personally but if you ever happen to scroll x i'm fortunate enough to oh experience yeah experience that x, x, twitter then you'll see people screaming about these things anyway i've never pre-ordered a movie ticket a day in my life neither have i i didn't think the people think really did that but i mean i guess like, maybe it does if it's like going to be a big thing you don't want to miss like the one showing with your friends but. like I mean, I guess for like Fathom Events things, I've like technically pre-ordered tickets. I bet people um, for like domestic release. I bet people probably pre-ordered them for like in-game, because like the movie theater would be so packed. So like you might want to order, but I feel like it's not like a pre-order. That's like a just ordering your ticket like that morning thing. But you just reminded me, people were actually pre-ordering their tickets for in-game. Now that I think about it, because I remember my uh, my cousin told me like. Weeks before the movie came out, yeah, I got my tickets locked up, cousin. I'm oh, like, huh? okay. So locked up, but I guess that's like only probably for like those big like event of the century type of movies. All right, like, relax. Endgame wasn't that big of a deal. Y'all can kill me in the comments yeah, if you want, but say. I stand on that. I truly stand on that. Yeah, I feel like that would be like for you know your end games, your Deathly Hallows, your like you know maybe a big Star Wars thing. But anyways, okay. So the Marvels bombed at the box office. Um. It's scored the lowest grossing opening weekend in the 15 years since the original Iron Man made it a global pop culture force to be reckoned with. Um, it opened to $47 million domestically. It's like the United States. That's a lot of money. And just under $100 million worldwide. It's the worst start for any Marvel film since The Incredible Hulk back in 2008. Um, so the box office wasn't the only bad news for the super trio of Brie Larson's Captain Marvel um, Iman Vellani's Miss Marvel and Tiana Paris's yet to be monikered Monica Rambo. Critics were divided in their reaction. They, don't have, they didn't give her her name yet. That's what in it the says. In comics, article, she's called please. Spectrum. Well, critics were divided in their reaction to the Marvels, and the movie's B-level cinescore or cinema score pointed to a lack of fan enthusiasm as well. Uh, here's what you need to know about the Mighty Marvels flameout and what it means for the next phase of the MCU. Now, I'm not going to talk too much more about that part because I know that gets into spoilers, and there probably are some listeners here who maybe haven't seen the movie and want to see it. I have not actually seen the movie myself, and I also would like to see it soon if I can. Um, I'm trying to keep up with like drop my Marvel spoilers stuff. in the comments, but it will. I will say that the Marvels uh, also had the misfortune of closing out a rough year for Marvel Studios. 2023 saw the studio releasing creatively and commercially underwhelming releases like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and Secret Invasion, announcing a mid-production reboot for the Disney Plus series Daredevil Born Again. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And parting ways with high-profile executive Victoria Alonso. Uh, while Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Loki Season 2 provided much-needed bright spots, both also represent farewells to popular characters that Marvel maybe can't afford to lose right now. All right, let's hear it. Your thoughts. Has somebody who is a Marvel Comics fan... I am. And you've seen the first Captain Marvel movie? Yeah, I have. Have you seen this movie? No. And But you do, you've seen most of the recent Marvel stuff? Yes. All right, let's hear it. Go. So, I was I, one of the many who wasn't, like, jumping, like, chomping at the bit to go see the Marvels. And that's actually not because I dislike any of the characters or even the actresses that lead the film. Um, I'm just not that 
like enthralled with the MCU right now. I haven't been for a while, but almost especially so now. Um, <clears throat> the Marvels doesn't feel like it fits anywhere. Like if you've if you've been a Marvel MCU fan for a while, it's kind of hard to see like like why should I go see the Marvels mm-hmm. if you've been like pushing this whole Kang Dynasty thing and you've been telling me how it's all about the multiverse, it's all about Kang, 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 Kang. I'm like, well, what does that have to do with Captain Marvel? What does that have to do with uh, Monica Rambeau? What does that have to do with Miss Marvel? Uh, my suspicion is that I mean maybe there's like some post credit scene that and see I'm not doing that anymore. Okay, I'm that the whole post credit like relying on post credit scenes to like tentpole prop like one film to the next. That's done. That I, that's over with. I'm sick of waiting like through all the credits just for an underwhelming post credit scene. I, no, that's. That's done. Yeah, I have some just some quick thoughts on that whole post credit scene thing. I know from Marvel that they kind of popularized the post credit scene. They did. I mean, it, it's existed before, but like Marvel was the first to make it where like you know this it really previews the next thing and alludes mm. to the next thing to watch. It was very cool when it first happened. You know, remember don't leave the theater yet. And I think that was a really cool thing. I do feel that now it's kind of felt a little more like they use them almost out of necessity. Like as a marketing tool yeah. to to you know let you know exactly what to watch next and like, and there's already that big thing where it's like you need to kind of watch this show and like watch this other movie so that you can like fully understand the context of where this new movie takes place. So I'm not as big a fan of them, but um. Anyways, continue. But uh, the Marvels and the characters associated with, associated with it, it feels like filler to me. Um, you know. Miss Marvel is coming from the Miss Marvel Disney Plus show. This was not a movie; it was a, it was a TV show that not you know some people watched and some people didn't. Monica Rambeau is the same thing. She came from WandaVision. A lot of people watched WandaVision because that was one of the first Disney Plus shows. Period. But like, you know, these are these are two characters coming from TV shows, and then you're put you're having them join up with. Captain Marvel, and I love the Captain Marvel character. I like Brie Larson fine. It's just... Brie... Ahead, I'm suggesting a camera thing. Oh, okay. But Captain Marvel had, or so far has had nothing to do with time travel or multi-dimension mm-hmm. nonsense. When we saw Captain Marvel, it was like a whole scroll type story with that was more tied to Secret Invasion. And... We saw how that show went. So honestly, yeah, it, just, I couldn't get excited for this movie. Well, there's actually another reason I just saw in this article why they why people probably couldn't get excited about this movie is probably because they kind of forgot about it. Why? Because besides Marvel's in-house problems, the Marvels also had to contend with a Hollywood landscape impacted by the Screen Actors Guild strike, which prevented Larson and her co-stars from doing any promotion for the movie for nearly four months. So when the strike ended on November 9th, uh, you know, Disney wasted little time making uh, Larson available for a last-minute promo run, but some box office analysts have suggested that was too little, too late. Now that is not a Marvel-related thing; that's like that's not their fault thing. per se. This is a general film industry thing. But yeah, I do think that because there was not a lot of like talk leading up to this movie, because they, the actresses like couldn't mm-hmm. really do interviews and that sort of thing and promotion for it, that probably didn't help with. No, knowing that right. it's going to be in theaters. I think if Brie Larson would have been telling me to watch the movie, I 
probably would have seen. I probably would have been more excited to see it. <laughs> yeah, if she like, if she came knocking door to door, like because now I think about it, because yeah, they, without promotion, that really hurts. I mean, because that's the thing. Like they when a lot of people actually don't know this, but like whenever the actors do their media tours before movies, that's why you suddenly see like ten videos on your YouTube homepage of mm-hmm. like Tom Holland and Zendaya doing these cutesy, fun little interviews. Suspiciously, like right before a Spider Man, whatever comes out, and they're hitting up every single talk show. Yeah, every they're on every talk show. They're on every like doing every little interview and fun YouTube thing. And they're on Hot Ones and Wired. Like, oh, look, and, Tom Holland's rapping along the so and so. Like, yeah. So they definitely, you know, they they couldn't do that with you know the uh, like actor strike. So, um, yeah, I mean, this kind of sucks. I. I'll also take this opportunity to pivot to Loki season two. Before we get to season two, I just want to say I do intend to watch the Marvels. I just what didn't watch it opening weekend. Yeah, yeah. Nor did I. I hope to be able to see it at some point soon, and maybe we can talk about it once we do. Um, I do want to talk about Loki season two, just oh, yeah. kind of in brief. I mean, you know, I figure why not? People kind of like the last Marvel discussion we had, so. Um, Thoughts on Loki season two? It's over now. Spoiler warning, by the way, if you have not like finished the series, I will not be delivering any spoilers myself. Um, okay, okay I we, can, can, we can keep the spoiler first. It doesn't need. I don't need to talk about spoilers to, say, to sum up how I feel about Loki. Okay, um, Loki season two is worse than Loki season one. Oh, okay, um, but that's not to say Loki season two is bad or that the Loki franchise is bad. It's still one of the best Disney Plus shows around. Mm-hmm. I still would. I would say that it's still like just under like Loki season one is just a is a second to Wandavision to me. Loki season two is in is in like third place behind Loki season one. So like it's worse to me than Lo- the season one, but that's not that bad. Okay, so into specifics, like what does that mean? Like why is so, it? I hate time travel. Okay. And yeah, like time travel was in season one, but season two relied on it so heavily mm-hmm. that it felt it time travel was more important than Loki for most of season two. And yeah. I got invested in Loki season one because it was about Loki. Loki was growing as a character. He was he had to hit to sit down and see who he was mm-hmm. and he had to grow from that. Most of season two is just time travel hopping around shenanigans. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, so for me, um, I have not actually watched Loki season one, but Mm -hmm. I have watched Loki season two. So I I come from a a very, like, why are you even watching this kind of background really with this? But um, yeah, so I I have seen Loki season two. Not knowing anything about season one made it interesting to watch because there were some characters and stuff where I was like, I don't know who these people are. But well, I don't mind time travel stories like too much. I I do always find it weird how time travel like in that in that show and in many other pieces of media, games, anime, whatever, is almost depicted as like as though time kind of is like an address on a street type of thing, like where we just we just conveniently end up like at exactly the time period and exactly the place that we need to be for mm-hmm. the story to continue. Like it's always very weird but especially since in season two they bill like this whole multiversal event as time is chaotic now yeah but they're still able to just punch into their gps and just go exactly (laughs) like it's really it's weird because like they kind of will tell you about like all these branching timelines but also 
they still just they they still know exactly where to go, and they still kind of just go to like the one timeline that matters just thirty years before or like X mm-hmm. years after or whatever. So, but that aside, I do feel that the show didn't seem like it was very much about Loki. Like at least not until not until kind of like towards the last third of it or so. Or so. Yeah, like early on, I was like, "What does this have to do with him?" Because he's he's just sort of he shows up and they're trying to like solve a bunch of different problems, but it doesn't seem like it's like he has very much agency in what's going on. He's just sort of following along with everybody and just sort of being where he needs to be along with everyone else. Like the vast majority of it is just, we got to save the TVA. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's like, he has a a personal stake in like what does or doesn't happen. And I could, if, like you didn't have to know he was an Asgardian in the first. Yeah, like that had nothing to do with. You didn't have to any know. of this, and so I, I would really call it like the TVA season two. Like that's what it felt yeah. like because there's so much talk about like the TVA is this, the TVA is that. It's gonna fall. It's not he gonna who fall. remains. Like, he remains, and it's like, but Loki doesn't seem like he like. Not that he doesn't care. Like he clearly cares about like the people and like helping out, but it just doesn't seem like it has anything to do with his growth, his story. And so in that way, I'm watching the show called, like, Loki Season 2, but it doesn't seem like it's really about that. But I liked the show because I liked the aesthetic of the show. Mm-hmm. I liked the vibe. I think that that um, kind of, like, 60s, 70s office kind yeah. of, like, government job feeling that the TVA has. I like the, the analog technology of everything. Like, it, it feels like, you know, there's, like, a telephone booth type of feel to it. I think the color grading and like the very cinematic presentation of a lot of the scenes is feels to me at least a distinct step above um, a lot of the other Marvel Netflix shows. Mm-hmm. None of them have really been able to like capture a look and a vibe. I think the only thing I would say is comparable um, and just in terms of like feeling that unique and that like bespoke was probably Miss Marvel in its first two episodes, I think had that, not like it, it's it's a totally different look, but like it also is a it had very, its own unique look, very unique look that you can totally put a lot of work into, like the, the transitions, the colors, like the creative way that they kind of just show everything. So yeah, I think that those were like big points in Loki season two's favorite yeah. for me. I hate walking away from these uh, Marvel Disney Plus shows thinking this could have just been a movie. Mm-hmm. That's happened more times than not. Um, I remember when I watched Falcon Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I was like, well, that could have just been a movie. I remember watching um, uh, Moon Knight. I'm like, that, that could have been a movie. Just because uh, oftentimes these shows, they feel like they could have been, the story could have been told in a much more concise manner and with better quality in a movie than in their TV show forms. I was glad, though, that by the end of Loki, I felt, no, this this was right to be a TV show. I think Loki could have also been a movie, personally, just because like there was a lot of like going back and forth and time and stuff. And I feel like I might have actually enjoyed that more in the theater. But I get what you mean. I think it, it, it works out in either form. Like, by the end, I just, for me, it, by the end, I was like, okay, this probably needed to be a TV show. Just to tell as much story as they ended up doing. It really required the last two episodes, though, because before then I was like, I don't know. but it. I think it did need to be a TV show. It's kind of how I feel about uh, like WandaVision and uh, some other uh, Netflix, Netflix, Disney Plus shows. I think uh, they did a good. They did a good enough job. Well, at any rate, um, yeah. So that's uh, that's the sort of 
the Marvels situation. Hopefully the film can kind of recover a little bit in these next couple of weekends. They will at least be getting my ticket. Not because I'm super invested in it, but just because, like, whatever. I've been watching most of the recent Marvel stuff, so I just want to mm-hmm. watch it and see what this is like. Who knows? It'll be good or bad or middle Something in between. But I will watch it and talk about it, I suppose. So, Anywho, uh, got another story for us. What you if got? not, then I... Or oh, yes, you, me. Okay. If not, I actually I've got, do like, have video game things. Another, I actually have a film one as well. Oh, okay. So they just dropped a trailer for the new Madam Web movie. Now I know Paul, you don't know who Madam that Web is. That is a Spider Man character, but it is in fact the Spider Man character. Okay, yeah. So this is a, a this part is a Marvel of Marvel thing. Uh, Sony. Okay, like that. That's Sony Marvel side, or like just Sony Spider Man. Sp- it is Spider. This is this will be in the Sony Spider Verse. Okay. Not not Spider. Oh, that's confusing. Not Spider Verse in so it's like Miles Morales Spider Verse, but yes. in the uh, this. Uh, how do I you, hear you. That okay. okay. So, gotcha. Madam Web. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but but okay. So Madam Web tells a story about this. Uh, she's a paramedic. A paramedic. Um, what's her name? It's something Web, not Madam. Uh, I I can't find her actual name. Anyway, it's a paramedic. Her last name's Web. That's how you get the whole Madam Web thing. And it's a Spider-Man adjacent story where it's a female-led cast. Those are the leads, and they're fighting a Spider-Man like villain. Okay. It, it was. I saw a bit of the trailer. It was very weird. To, it was very kind of weird to see this guy who's dressed up kind of like Spider Man, but distinct enough to know it's definitely not. At uh, he just stabs her and like, and like kills her. But it was a premonition for Web, so she see she can see the future and how she combats the future, how she ch- changes it or works with it to accomplish her goals. That's the that's the character. Now, many of us know Madam Web as a as an old lady who sits in a wheelchair, but uh, this is like a prequel to that. This will be this is a this will be probably a, bit a young like, spry spry Madam Web who could throw hands. I, I guess. I mean, not every paramedic can fight, but I guess this one can. Right. Okay. Interesting. But so this, this is, is going to be a movie. Yeah, this is a movie in the greater kind of Spider Verse, along with. Craven the Hunter, Venom Three. Oh, so Craven the Hunter's getting a movie? Yes. Um, oh, I thought he was just in, the, in that video game recently. No, no, that, or that's is that just, just two separate? a coincidental. Okay. Happy coincidence? No, it's not. It was planned. Probably. But um, yeah, August twenty twenty four. That's uh when Craven the Hunter release releases. Uh, okay. And then Venom Three is in November twenty twenty four. Interesting. And so, Madam Web, do we know? Is that like twenty twenty five? Or just do we? Maybe, I don't know if they. I don't think they gave us a. Oh, here we go. Due to hit theaters February twenty twenty four. Oh, so it's actually going to be like soon. Yeah, it feels weird that this is going to be coming out before Craving, because, but it's all because of that. I think the uh, act, the um, actor strike information has been kind of like for announcements was all delayed. So yeah, so there's no telling when it they feels actually intended weird. to announce it. Well, if that's the case, um, I'd like to go and see this movie. I have not enjoyed the Venom movies very much. I will will stand on that Venom 1 is an okay watch. Venom 2 is a slog. I have not seen Venom 1. So, actually, I've only seen Venom Venom 2. So, maybe I should shut up with all my blabbering. But You consistently see sequels. (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> so, not originals. Yeah, yeah well, listen, I, I should probably, yeah, I guess to give some some background on like why that kind of is, I'm not like a really big moviegoer, or at least traditionally I haven't been. Only in the last like few years of my life have I made a conscious decision to sort of like, hey, I want to just go and see these movies. Like, I want to see like what everyone's talking about with Marvel, and I want to like kind of be involved in more of that. So I've been trying to see more like movies, Star Wars movies, Marvel movies, whatever. Um, and as a result, I have I'm, I'm kind of only just like see like I I watch so and so three or whatever, and I didn't see one. Paul shows up for the worst parts. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do seem to kind of end up on some of the not as great ones, but yeah. So I will I'll I'll give this a look. It's like my main problem is I I don't I did not like Venom two enough to even want to go watch Venom one. And that, that's not that's, a mark against Venom 1. I'm it's sure it's... Venom 2. I'm fine. sure it's wonderful. It's just that, like... I you know. So, anyways. Yeah, I did not care too much for Venom 2. Uh, the only things I really liked have been the Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Spider-Verse, amazing. Um, Tom Holland, like, <clears throat> Spider-Man, like, Homecoming and all that stuff. Great. Those have all been really good. So, I have some... I have faith that they will... Continue to do a good job. With I have my doubts, but hey, you keep on being optimistic. Listen, I'm I'm saying faith in that <laughs> like kind of fakey podcasty. We're optimistic about the future way, but also it's like yeah, they could just kind of end up being shit. If you along, every Marvel fan knows optimism does not belong here. It feels like as a Marvel fan, I mean, like optimism's like not at an all time high. Just no, in general. I mean, anytime you, when we when you are a, a fan of a franchise where death isn't even a real consequence. Yeah, I mean, we've heard those Kevin Feige interviews where he's just always like, "Yeah, characters can come back to life if they're popular." It's like they're gonna do whatever like pays the bills. So right. you know, maybe Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow sacrifice was extremely moving, and it like and just rocked you to the core of your soul. It might not matter. It might that might just go get undone. Here's a movie I want to hear from you about. What's that? The Digimon movie. You saw this recently, yes. Oh yeah, I did. Tell I me did. about this. Sorry if I'm putting so, you on the spot. There was the Digimon Adventure to the beginning movie. Um, the beginning of what? We're not sure because I watched that whole thing and yeah, I don't know where they're going with that. So for for a little bit of context, this is a it's a movie about the Adventure Two series, the one with Davis, Vimon, and you know those kids, not Ty in the gang, the other kids. Yeah. And many people going to go see this movie, they are expecting a movie about those kids. It's like if if you were a fan of Adventure Two, if you love the dub, then you know that's what you want to see. That's not what you get in this movie. Um, and it's per it's purposefully done. The Adventure 2 kids are just there to be emotional support for the real main character, Louie. Yeah. Much like um, Willis in, uh, well, we, it was Hurricane Touchdown, but for us, that was all bundled into our Digimon movie. Um, Louie is the main character. He's gone, he has very significant traumas with both people and his partner, Digimon. Mm-hmm. And it's the Adventure 2 kid's job to console him and then drive him from point A to point B. Yeah, to kind of like, I guess, solve his problems. Yeah, I, um, it's an interesting movie. I also saw it. Uh, So you got some Digimon TCG cards for. Yeah, the cards are fire. Promos. The first 50 people who showed up to those screenings got the cards. And our screening had maybe eight people. Like eight. Ten people at most. Yeah, 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 it wasn't it wasn't big. 
I mean, I think it was only in theaters for like two days. So and you know what? They were right to do so because if other screenings were anything like that, they would have lost a lot of money. Yeah, my take on the movie was that I feel like it needed more action. Um, there was there was there not was not a lot of action in that, in that movie, and I expected more for like. You know when you go to see an anime movie, like it's gonna be in theaters at least. I know there's like anime movies that don't really get in theaters, but like it's Digimon. Like it's it's a kind of action monster collector shonen-ish that kind of thing. You know, I kind of expected like Sakuga Fest, light show, just a lot I mean, of fights. There were moments and major like Digivolutions, but it really didn't feel like that took a backseat to just telling this story that was uh a good, like, kind of heavy just now, character now don't, thing. Don't spread but. misinformation. All the Digimon did fight. They fought these nameless tentacle things. And some of them even got beat by the nameless tentacles. And that was just sad to see. Yeah. I didn't care for that. I, I think it, uh, I think they could have given them maybe a more, like, villain, villain, like, specific things to be fighting. The villain of this movie, I think, was miscommunication. Yeah. I, it, it's a. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was like a bad movie. It was refreshing to see those Adventure 2 kids again and um, all that. Even if they weren't, like, it wasn't really about them. It was nice to see them. It was nice to see Vimon. I think the vast majority of people would have liked to see it be about them. Yeah. See them grow as people. Because in the movie, they're pretty much all well adjusted from the start and finish. Yeah. Yeah. It's. (laughs) Neat movie. I mean, I think, like, with these Digimon movies, they would do well to just, just release, like, a Digimon movie with just, like, a lot of... Just kind of mindless action. Like, and I'm not saying that that would be... Like, I know there's these people who want... I want intellectually stimulating stories. But, like... That's I'll all be, they do in Digimon. I'm gonna be honest. Like, these kind of newer Digimon movies, I feel like they, they lean too heavy into that and forget that, like, Digimon... It's like a monster evolution collecting, like, kind of thing. Like, just... Let the monsters get really big and turn into their giant werewolves and dinosaurs and whatever, and like, and just fight and like you know punch Paul and just kick wants and shoot. It and, to be like the Godzilla movie franchise. Just all right, and here's the, here's why pump I pump up that. two kaiju and bash. Well, listen, each other. here's why I kind of think that that's what Digimon needs because in my view, and someone's you know people are free to disagree or maybe if if I'm viewing this the wrong way, let me know. I think Digimon's kind of faltering success in the modern day is largely because they have not leaned into a lot of what made some of the originals popular. So I'm not saying that it actually even has to be Agumon and, like, whatever, again. I'm just saying that trying to tell these really mature stories and stuff, as opposed to getting a lot of action that I think a Digimon viewer would maybe more so want. Like, this is like an anime movie in theaters, Right, like it's kind of supposed to be a little more exciting. We had to drive two hours to go see it, and I'm not gonna lie to you guys, uh, it wasn't worth it. Uh, I mean, the car for it was worth it for the cards, but not for the actual movie itself. I I, I could have just watched that on like a streaming. Yeah. I mean, do you agree? Do you feel like they need to maybe like? Do you think that the story stuff is? I disagree. Okay, so you do. So do you? But like... that's that's just because I'm I'm more into Digimon, and so true. I'm like. I'm I'm a very much enjoy the like the more introspective storytelling. I've gotten enough action out of Digimon. Un- unlike the most people, I've seen most Digimons. I've seen most of every show, if not the entire shows. Mm-hmm. I've gotten all the Digimon action I could ever ha- I could ever like handle in my life. But for more casual fans 
who like if they haven't watched Digimon since they saw two episodes of Digimon Frontier and said, "Oh, this is this is not Digimon I know," and they turned it off. Yeah. They haven't hit that quota for action in Digimon. And so you sit down to this movie and it's like... You know what I think it maybe really is? Because you're right. I I think I might be going too hard on the whole, like, just make it mindless action. I think that you can... I just think that should have gone for more of a balance of the two. It definitely was I think that this was, like, 90% introspective kind of, you know, interpersonal story. And, like, 10%... Digimon, like doing Digimon things, and fifteen percent almost horror, yeah, and and some horror elements, which I liked. I like the horror elements, but I think that I think maybe kind of trying to like balance that out more. Where there's you can have the deep story, you can have the character growth stuff, but just like show the Digimon more too. I mean, I just feel like the that Digimon weren't like they weren't present very much in a Digimon movie. So sorry to like derail this. I know like <laughs> it wasn't really part of the 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 sort of script or whatever, but. Uh, okay, well, I've got a few quick uh, rapid-fire, like, video game stories. What you got? I don't think that there's, like, a lot to say about some of these, but um, the Game Awards 2023 did release its nominees mm-hmm. for Game of the Year. Um, there's several different categories, but just for the Game of the Year itself, the um, nominees are Alan Wake 2. Didn't play it. Yeah, I don't know too much about that. Baldur's Gate 3. Didn't play it. Yeah, I know Larry plays that. He says yeah, he, he likes, likes it. That I heard a lot he of good stuff like about it. Baldur's Gate 3. So, um, Marvel Spider-Man 2. Didn't play it. Um, Resident Evil 4. Didn't play it. Okay, I get it. You haven't played any of the games. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just naming them. I'm just letting the audience know. They don't um, know. Resident Evil 4. Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Also and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Also so, did not play. So, those are the six nominees. Um... I just kind of felt like I would mention it because I have already seen the discourse on this get really pretty nasty uh, on Twitter already. And I just, I guess, like, I'm at this thing with, like, game... I'm always surprised that, like, the Game Awards hold so much weight, like, to people's opinions of their own, like, favorite games. Because it just... It's the Game Awards. that That's what they named it. So, yeah. like... Your game, your favorite game, not getting best game of the year, that makes what? that means you are stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, because no, I, I, I know, like, you know, if I keep doing this this little satirical thing, like, if your if your favorite game of the year is Tears of the Kingdom and it doesn't win game of the year, what did you do all year, like? Yeah, I, I think that's what it is for people, I guess, is, like, there's this, like these camps that people are in. It's all like the console wars, right? Where, I guess, you, you have to feel like you got to justify the money that you spent. Because otherwise, it makes you, I guess, look or feel dumb and incompetent. Because, like, how... <laughs> you missed the game of the year, and you spent the whole year yeah, playing what? Like, because, like, how dare... And, guys, like, I'm, I'm being... I'm joking. Like, I'm just saying, like, I bought an Xbox One. And the PlayStation 5 is outselling the Xbox One. And people are saying the PS5 has better games than the Xbox One does. I failed. Like, I made the wrong decision. I'm a clown. How dare I pick the stupid losing side? And it's like, it's so so wild. Like, so when these Game Awards nominees come out, people are already, like, fussing and fighting. Like, why didn't this get nominated? Why isn't Starfield on here? Why isn't Final Fantasy 16 on here? Why isn't some other game that, like, came out this year on here? And it's like, 
it almost makes it seem as though you can't have enjoyed the game or you can't be a fan of the game like unless it gets all of its flowers. And it, all I'll say is that the stuff I've, I saw on Twitter about this. Out of pocket. It's, it's out of pocket, dude. Like people are <laughs> people are screaming and hollering and like really getting into like these, it, you know, it, it's I swear it's video games, it's anime, and it's like, tech like like because computers smartphones like there's these camps and you know and i guess like sports probably gets like crazy and maniacal like this See, too what you're missing paul is it's actually just everything it's really yeah people get into camps yeah. over literally anything that they can so mm-hmm. they can argue about it online yeah i guess with video games it just gets more visibility because they have an actual formal game awards like show Formal. formal. Yeah, it's like, I don't even know who, who deemed this. Like, 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 why is this the, like, <laughs> official source? Weren't there other, like, game awards, like, not too long? What about the Golden Stick thing? Like, there are actually, like, other, like, other, game like, award type Outlets things. that do this. Like, it reminds is me. this the Oscars? Is this the Grammys? What is this? I the saw, Golden Globes? Yeah, well, it's funny. I saw, like, that RDC World skit about, like, anime fan bases. I don't know if you've seen no, this. No, I saw that one. Like, you really would think people are, are in gangs over this because it's it's so, like, it's the amount of people who are, like, Nintendo games don't deserve to get Game of the Year because, like, this reason or that or whatever. The Switch is crap, and so these games are crap. And then someone was, like, shrieking about, like, well, Spider-Man 2 doesn't deserve it because it just came out. And I, <laughs> it's just, it gets... I don't know. I, I I guess I find that sort of discourse to be like it, I, it gives me anxiety. Like just the, people what? are so like angry about it. But then it's like I guess I play Yu-Gi-Oh and it's kind of it gets about the same point just within a smaller scope. I, I you know I'm out of my depth with this type of a uh, like prompt because I specifically avoid the jet the general gaming zeitgeist. I when games are popular I don't play them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I like them or not. I just, I specifically try not to play games when they're popular. I will play Spider Man too. It won't be this year. I know it won't be this year because it's hot this year. It won't be as hot next year. That's when I'm going to play it. Yeah. Like, you know what games I like the, the well, you know what notable games I played this year? Hmm. Uh, Cyberpunk and a bunch of mobile games. Yeah, I mean, I've only played one like new game this year. I've only played Hogwarts Legacy and. Was Hogwarts Legacy this year? Yeah, it was like in February though. Oh, okay. It might have gotten. Maybe so I, guess I played got, Hogwarts Legacy. I forgot. I don't know if it got nominated for anything. I, no, I guess it, I guess it was trash, and you wasted your time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, no, that's really like that's what that's how it goes for a lot of these people. Um, Bro, you want to get your sixty bucks back? I'm trying to to see. The, okay, there's a category for most anticipated game. How interesting that is. That's nonsense. It's like a game that isn't out and it's like the most anticipated. How do you even vote on that? <laughs> um, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is on there. That's kind of cool. No, it's not. It's not out yet. Like, yeah, it's like yeah, that, that's true. Like, I guess I can't have an opinion on it really. Uh, yeah, so that's the Game Awards. No, no, I want to hear the rest of the anticipated. Oh, list. I want to hear of, this. What the rest of them are? All right, let's see. Um, most anticipated game: Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, Hades Two. Wow. I don't know what that is. Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth. Wow. It's a Yakuza spinoff. Okay. Star Wars Outlaws? Wow. All these games, maybe outside of maybe the Yakuza game, that have like a 50-50 chance of launching Broken. And Tekken 8. <laughs> and, and then Tekken 8, which has a which has like a 60-40 chance of launching as like everyone's number three fighting game pick. Yeah. Well, 
Listen, you're egging them on right now. I know. Look, I'm. I have nothing against these games, but these are just. These are really just facts. Most of the games on Andy's most anticipated list, like. Some you of those what? are going to launch broken. Listen, we're going to stop this topic right now because I feel like we're just going to piss everyone. Because, like, <laughs> I think our opinions on these games are maybe too a little too jaded. Okay, you're right. Because like, yeah, I, right. I, I, I can already sense people being like, you guys shouldn't talk about it if you hate these games. So I don't hate the games. No, they're going to say it to me, too. They're gonna, <laughs> just, the Game Awards means a lot. And oh, so, yeah, so we need to stop. Stop yeah. laughing because that makes it seem like you're mm-hmm. enjoying their suffering and pain. So... We will move on to the next quick I'm game story. Not enjoying your pain. All right, here's the next quick game story. Uh, the PlayStation Portal reviews have been coming in, so I cover this because I, you might remember we talked about this when it was announced at like Sony's little thing. It must be one of them slow pods. Well, it was one of the early ones. So when Sony Definitely revealed slow. the PlayStation Portal, you guys might remember that we were uh, a little confused about the product, did not really understand everything about it. Reviews are out, and so there's a little bit more context as to what exactly it is and how it works. Um, we've read some of these reviews. It's 200 bucks. It's an 8-inch um, LCD screen, kind of basically just crammed in the middle of a DualSense controller. Okay. And um, it exists. It basically kind of allows you to stream your games from your PS5 that you must own. And um, over Wi-Fi, I don't, I still don't really think I get where this product like slots in for people. But what do you think? So, like most people, I conned on the very idea of it when it uh, when it was announced, and only after reading some reviews of the product did I finally kind of get an inkling of what Sony was going for here. Mm-hmm. Was um because. <clears throat> I couldn't escape the idea that, like, well, why would I want to, like, walk around my house playing my PlayStation 5 on my portable, my portal, where I can just go sit, like, on my couch and play my PS5? Like, why, why, why am I forcing myself to be in another, in another room from it to have, like, a technically suboptimal experience when the optimal experience is just feet away? But, mm-hmm. uh, that whole remote play deal, I didn't quite understand it at first. So if your PS5 is hooked up to the internet mm-hmm. and you take your your portal outside and you go to some place with Wi-Fi, you can actually connect to your PS5 from that venue, wherever you are, and actually stream your PS5 games. I did not realize that you actually can be out of the house and use this thing. Now you are limited to like, the type of Wi-Fi you have, and if you're out and about, yeah. you can't really control that. Yeah, see, that's the thing, is it's not... You gotta be careful with that. You have to... Like, your PS5 can be at home and connected to your Wi-Fi, and then you have to have this also yes. connected to Wi-Fi wherever it is that you are. That said, though, that is a really cool feature, and I hadn't considered that that was a way for it to be used, so I do like that. Because basically, like, it... In a weird way, is like, you could leave your PS5 at home from even, like, a whole trip that you're going on. Like you know, normally like, you might bring your PS5 when you're gonna you're gonna be in a hotel or whatever. It's oh like, god! Okay, I'll bring my PS5. I can like, play in the hotel, but like that also means bringing your PS5. Mm-hmm. That's a risk if you're flying. That's a lot of space in your luggage. It's you know, it's big investment. Do you really want to bring this huge thing? Did I ever so, tell you about the time I almost traded PS5s? 
No. Yeah. So me and this a uh, guy. We're, we're at we're at an, we're at the we're at an airport. I don't remember which one we are. I, mean, I think it's the one in Virginia. Anyway, we're at we're at an airport. We both take out from our bags our identical PS5s and load them onto the uh, conveyor belt to go to be scanned. And um, neither one of us realized what has just happened until we're walking away to go and uh, get our, you know, get ourselves scanned to you know, make sure we're not carrying anything dangerous. We both kind of look at, we look at the conveyor belt, conveyor belt and we look at each other like, so wait, mine's the one in front, right? Is it, uh, no, no, mine's the one, mine's the one in back and then yours is the one right there. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And then when they come out of the conveyor, when they come out and, you know, we're putting on our shoes and whatnot, we're like, so our PS5s are identical. Our bins had nothing else in them. We just had to trust that. You just picked the right one. We picked the right one and that the TSA didn't like change the order of the bins. Yeah. Did you, I mean, I guess you got your your correct one. I did end up with the correct PS5, but I remember we almost just completely traded them and had no way of confirming it. That's crazy. You know. I guess that's one reason why a person should get like the custom plates or just something. Just something your, to distinguish. Distinguish your console. Yeah, but so taking your PS5, you know, to travel is like, you know, it's involved. Um, so Facts. I think with this, you could just take this thing and then trust, I suppose, that your hotel Wi Fi or, or the Wi Fi wherever you will be, your Airbnb or whatever other place, will have like good Wi Fi. And then you could, in theory, Stream your PS5 games onto this thing. Funnily enough, the portal actually still has the same problem with hotel Wi-Fi as uh, as PS5s do. They can't interface with Wi-Fi that require you to open up a browser yeah, to sign in. I heard there was supposed to be like an update or something that would allow that to... I hope that they better because... When I take my PS5 out and about, when I go to like different places, I have like a 50-50 shot of being able to use it. Yeah, now also I read that all the media functions are disabled on this thing. Yep. So no Netflix, Mm-mm. no YouTube. Um, just games. Just just games. So like that's kind of weird. That's also lame. it does not have Bluetooth. It uses Sony's like proprietary wireless um, thing, like headset thing, or you can like plug in headsets and stuff, but you can't just connect like headsets via Bluetooth. So See your AirPods, good luck. You can get these proprietary PlayStation Link headsets and earbuds, but um, I don't think those are out yet. Yeah, it says the earbuds come out on December 6th. Holiday season, y'all. So don't worry. Or do worry, because they cost $200. What? Yeah, those little earbuds are 200 bucks. The same price as the Portal. That's right. And then also, the ne- the Pulse headset is 149 but that doesn't come out until February of next year. And this PlayStation Portal thing comes out like here in a week or two. Y'all don't let out. Sony do this to you. Don't let Sony milk y'all for everything. So y'all already is, bought a PlayStation. So basically, this truly is a product for the person who is like in the PlayStation ecosystem. Like if you are just you're Sony's number one fan, right? You are the guy in the console wars. You know, you're the 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 Sony pony or whatever they call Sony them. pony. I heard that from Chris. He called <laughs> I heard that he said that like two or three times. It's a, it's a Sony pony or whatever. <laughs> oh, do you know what the Xbox fans are called? I don't know if they still call them this. When I was like younger, they would call them Xbox. Like you're like a bot. Like you only <laughs> listen to 
Or have you even heard? I heard somebody call uh, Nintendo fanboys Nintendo drones. Nintendo. So an X bought a Nintendo drone, a Sony pony, like whatever. Anyway, so yeah. Well, anyways, I think that this is like a product where if you play your PS Five a lot, and you and you were like Mister Sony lover fifty sixty nine whatever, like you own every Sony accessory, Sony for life, you know triangles squares circles and x's for life like then this is this is your thing and it and i do see use cases for it like i still do think the fact that you could play this out of starbucks or something ideally is is cool i still just don't but 200 for it then another like 200 for the headset come on y'all like 500 for the playstation 5 i mean okay everyone who yeah get your y'all should have your ps5s and if you don't don't even look at a portal if you don't have a ps5 right now do not look at a portal because you don't need one right now don't get don't get swindled into some holiday bundle where you get your ps5 and your portal together just get your ps5 this year and maybe like maybe get a portal next year now if you already have your ps5 and the portal sounds good to you i guess but you have to pay for the headset separately and, and i'm it, sure it's one of those things where like it's also at the end of the day, like, it's as good as the Wi-Fi you've got. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if you're at a place that doesn't have good Wi-Fi, this probably isn't for you. If you're at a place that If you're from does, the South. Yeah. yeah um, good luck. Yeah. So, that's the PlayStation Portal. It's another one of these little quick game stories. Wanted to kind of talk about it. It sounds like, Alec, you will not be getting one. No. Nah. Although you have a PS5, so you really should be ashamed. I thought you were... A barely fire A proper PS5. Sony fanboy. I guess you're not, huh? I guess I'm not a Sony pony. Yeah. I'm not, not, not a Sony pony. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Chris. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Got any other stories? I had a story that turned my stomach. Oh, yikes. Okay. So, is um, it AI? No, no. Uh, okay. No. I had an okay. AI. No, no. Not getting to that right now. Um, so, you're familiar with the uh, Arkham series games, right? Yes. Okay. Well, there's a new Arkham series game, new-ish. Uh, it's coming out uh, rather soon, actually, called uh, Suicide Squad. Kill the Justice League. That's what the game is called? Yes. Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad Kill the Justice League. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. So, uh, you know, it's kind of an edgy premise. It's the Suicide Squad. Uh, I, I guess they're they're a popular group, right? I think people Harley like the Quinn? Suicide. Yes. She okay. is a member of the Suicide Squad. All right, yeah. That's all you got, huh? You can't even, you no, can't even mention I'm, I'm going one. by what DC markets to me. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Which is that she's that, the only true. person you need yeah, to care yeah, about that, in that's that That's the Suicide Squad. It's Harley Quinn. Anyway, so... Uh, following in the footsteps of the Arkham series, they're making the Suicide Squad Killer Justice League game. And it's kind of like the only hope for DC Comics-based video games because the Arkham series was, you know, know, that was like the best we ever had. And then they made Gotham Knights, which was was kind of like a spiritual successor, but it was, um, terrible is the wrong word, Really underwhelming not and well not received. what people expected. Okay, so what's this new one? So this is supposed to be a, it, or at least it was billed originally as to as being more of a truer Arkham experience, but with these villains. But from what I'm reading here, because um, pre-orders are launching and they have a video series to go along with it, um, it's a live service game. Oh, okay. Now, I don't know if you've ever played an Arkham series game, Paul. Um, 
Is it? Does any part yeah, it of like, like Batman sound service. like season pass? Based. So what is it like? What how what is the live service providing? <clears throat> so this game is more like a looter shooter. Um, don't think, don't think. Um, like I think Borderlands. Comes don't to think mind Borderlands because that's a good one. Uh, I mean, it is a looter. Think shooter. more like Anthem. Okay. And so you're. Pl- it also has the char- The characters have to be unlocked. Oh boy! Like, I see where this is going. Yeah. So, all right, I, I'll I'll save everybody a little bit of time on this. Basically, they're taking the handful of DC players who want something like this and juicing them. So you have to unlock characters, you have to unlock skins, you have to unlock whatever, and you and get loot guns. and guns and weapons and all that stuff. And how much do you got to pay? Like, is it like fifty so, bucks for a season pass? Is it like a monthly thing? There's a standard edition for sixty nine ninety nine. And it's just getting you the game. That's just that's getting you the game. Okay. But there's also the deluxe edition. Joy. For $99.99. I love paying $100 for my games, y'all. And you get all the standard edition content. So the game. Yeah. But also, you get four Justice League outfits for each of the squad members. No, one for each of the Suicide Squad members. Not four for each. One for each of them. Three Black Mass themed Notorious weapons. See, Notorious weapons, it, there's like a ranking system. It's a Notorious weapons are some of the best weapons you can get because it's a looter shooter and you're collecting guns. You get four squad gold themed weapon dolls. I don't even know what that means, but since it's a weapon collector now, instead of being like a proper Arkham game, I guess I want that too. One premium battle pass token. Because we love battle oh, passes. Oh, okay. So I guess by getting... Because that's probably... So by getting the deluxe version, you get like your first battle pass thing for free. Cool. And 72-hour early access to start your live service. A lot of games have been doing that. Yeah. These games are doing that. Like get the game three days early. I don't think that's like a bad um, pre-order benefit, sort of their deluxe benefit. But like it's also... Just release the game earlier then. Like reading that this game has become a battle pass... Hell. Hellscape, live service, monstrosity. It turned my stomach. I was very unhappy to see that. I have a question. What you got? This is not related to this game exactly. Whatever happened to that Marvel Duel or DC Duel Force game? Oh, the card game. Yeah. Is that like still that app? Is that I, still I guess it's still around. I know like when you talked about it before, like you were kind of saying that it was a little. I mean, I, I, I uh, was suspect about it and I'm still suspect about it. But It didn't have a mobile version yet, right? I don't think so. Goes no. on okay. I don't you think should I don't, visit that. I want to hear more about that. I mean, but I don't want to. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I wanted to hear more about like if that's still because like, like my 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 feelings on uh, DC Dual Force is now it needs to earn my attention back. Mm-hmm. I they didn't earn it the first time. I stumbled upon it and I gave it a try because it's DC Comics. Yeah. I was very whelmed with my experience not all that impressed and it led me to stop playing now if dc dual force has to do something like yeah because i i'm not turning that game on because i just don't i feel no reason to do it well hopefully this new um suicide squad game can prove to be of some value i really do think that this is one of those things where they just are just hoping to like spend a, spend some monthly bucks off of like, people. 
I think story like the Arkham series is known for its story telling. Like they they were they, those games are good for that. If the story of the game is still solid, it, that can carry it through. But I swear to God, if they gate any story elements behind this battle pass, oh, that would suck. Bull. I hope they don't do that. <laughs> ah, man. Yeah, that would not be good. I mean, I can't, I guess, weigh in too much. I'm not, like, a, a huge, you know, DC head. I don't know too much about, like, the different things that they're doing. So, maybe they're... It's, like, funny. I guess Marvel... It's, like, Marvel used to be, like, the really popular one. I mean, it still is, like, probably more popular. But, like, I think it gets more heat now than DC does. But it sounds like DC is not to be left in the dust in terms of... Taking per, L's. In terms of predatory, like, consumer practices. So, yeah. Anyway... So it sounds like you're not giving this one a crack. I'm going to force myself to stay optimistic because. Oh, so you are going to get it, or <sighs> considering? I'm, I'm, yeah, I haven't jumped off the ledge of not getting the game yet. I'm, I'm definitely not pre-ordering it. I, I don't pre-order games. I'm, not, I'm never doing that ever again. I forget the, I, the last game I pre-ordered. I was very unhappy with, so I'm just never doing that again. And, um, but like. I'll be watching this game very closely in the months leading up to its release. Because there's still a chance I'm just going to be like, nope. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's all the stories I have. Oh, I'm all wrapped up, too. You got all your stories. Okay, cool. Well, in that case, I suppose it's time to draw some cards from the, the pot of, of greed. greed. Viewer questions. Let's see what we have. Mix them up a little bit. Sure, there's a few exciting things to talk about. Okay. Like I said, guys, uh, we don't mind the idea of uh, don't mind the idea of you guys maybe making a Google form. Or we'll make the Google form. You guys can use the Google form. Oh, quick announcement! I forgot to mention at the start of the podcast, we will be uh, attending Anime NYC this weekend. So you yeah. might be able to see us there if you guys are going to be there. Here Come in say New York hi. City. We'll have Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Um, I'm going to go to the Beckett grading service place. Get some things graded. I think it'll be fun. All right. Anywho, uh, my first question. What could Pokemon learn from Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, it's usually the reverse when you think about it. Yeah, usually I find myself thinking, like, Yu-Gi-Oh should take some practice from Pokemon. Like, the mixed rarity stuff and all Mm -hmm. that. But I think, okay. Well, does anything come to mind for you that Pokemon could learn from Yu-Gi-Oh? I think I've kind of got something. Like I haven't figured it out myself, but it, I feel like it has something to do with the competitive aspect of the game and so, promoting that. Yeah, so the thing is, Pokemon competitive Pokemon TCG, actually, it, it, it exists. It has cash prizes. That's something we don't have. And it's like a thing. People take it seriously. But I do think that within the Pokemon space, it feels like relative to the overall brand and like the, the overall game, people are not super into like, Pokemon TCG stuff compared to how, like, in Yu-Gi-Oh!, the competitive TCG is kind of the main part of the conversation. So, I mean, I think maybe Pokemon could afford to, like, uh, try to promote its TCGs, like, competitive scene more. But but In some ways, I feel like it's it's out of their hands. Like, I feel like a lot of the hype around collecting Pokemon... Is was like that was done outside of their control. They they didn't make people want to collect Pokemon cards. Logan Paul did. Let's see. I think uh, something that Pokemon could also maybe learn is like 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe like, because I think that as far as rarities go, the two games handle with their rarities so differently. Like, normally, I always say, like, oh, games should kind of look to Yu-Gi-Oh! for, like, ways of doing creative rarities that look mm-hmm. really regal and, like, clean and stuff, because I do like Yu-Gi-Oh!'s rarities. But I think Pokemons are equally, like, unique and interesting and good-looking. So I don't know if I have anything. Yeah, I mean, I feel like... It's weird to say. I think Pokemon's like their TCG is just fine. Like but maybe maybe fine. a Pokemon TCG person should weigh in here. Yeah, I would. This is one where I would like to get somebody who play like plays the Pokemon TCG. Maybe not just because I think if you collect it, there's nothing to say here mm-hmm. or, or less to say here. I would assume. But like for people who play the Pokemon TCG, do you think that there's something that Yu-Gi-Oh does a little bit better? I've got a, okay. I have a random one. Zoned playmats. They don't make very many zoned, like, playmats in Pokemon. And I know that Pokemon, like, the, the exact zone stuff is not that important. It's a bit more freeform. But, like, I just noticed anytime I look for, like, an official Pokemon mat, there's, like, never... No zones. I never see zones. Just clean. So, that's, like, a, that's a super tiny thing. But if somebody wants to weigh in and inform us what would be... Yeah, we'll take that. ...a more tangible thing if you play both games or something, what would be it? All right, what about you? Uh, so this one I thought I, w- I was hoping would be buried underneath all the other questions, but for some reason I picked it up first. What do you have? What mobile games does Alec play? Oh, okay, we'll go for so, it. So I saw that question like twice now, so I figured I'd answer it. I tried to avoid it, but here we are. Um, so I've been playing mobile games for a long time. Um, my first kind of mobile game was like Brave Frontier, way back in. 20 2009 2010 sometime about there and uh yeah i spent a lot of money uh deleted that account because it was getting entirely entirely too bad and i didn't learn my lesson for years um so what i'm currently playing um honkai star rail that's a that's a favorite of mine um popular one right i i have played genshin impact i have i can't say i've stopped really playing i still have it installed on my computer um, Azure Lane, I play that one on my phone, like, like decently often. I can't stop playing it because I'm just too invested. It's a, it's a whole sunk cost fallacy at play here. I can never truly stop playing my mobile games. That's the one with the ship girls. Mm-hmm, that's the one with ship girls. Um, the girls are named after like after uh, World War Two battleships, aircraft carriers, destroyers, cruisers, that sort of thing. Um, uh, there's there's plenty more. I gotta keep going. Um, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. That one released this year. I've played that one off and on. Uh, I, I, I you re- played the first soldier, right? The first soldier. I did play the first soldier. Got, like, that down. one got shut down though. Uh, that was the battle royale Final Fantasy uh, shooter kind of game. It, it was it was it was decent. I just didn't love that it was mobile. I, I would have liked to play that one on um on like desktop. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta keep going. Uh, Snowbreak Containment Zone. I've been playing that one a lot lately. It's a gotcha game, anime, waifu, third-person shooter. Not bad. It's 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 a uh, is it's still a work in progress. They haven't really figured it out. Speaking of shooters, um, Nikkei. I've been playing that one on my phone more often. That's they just had down their, bad games. Hmm? It's one of those down bad games. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty it's pretty down bad. It's pretty down <laughs> bad. But um, uh, I guess you could call it a shooter. That's a that'd be a stretch. But um, the girls shoot. <laughs> They shoot. They do they shoot, shoot guns. guns so. But um, they just had their first anniversary, so I've been playing a lot of that lately. Um, wait, let me pull out my phone to make sure I didn't leave any others out. 
Yeah. I, One second. I know Alec is a mobile game guy. Let's see. I have Call of Duty Mobile. Um, that's that's gonna be a long time. Oh, uh, what about what about Fake Go? Do you oh, play that? Yeah, still? yeah. I still, I, I so, so a lot of games go on my kind of like backlog in a sense. I only have so much money, and I do spend. So if I'm playing a game, I'm probably spending on it. So I try to limit how many games are in rotation at a time, but I never delete them. And as they update and have their events, I usually just fire them back up again. So yeah, Fate Grand Order, big uh, big time favorite of mine. Very expensive, so I try not to play it too much. I'd say Call of Duty Mobile. They had a um, a Ghost in the Shell collab that I really enjoyed. So I played that, and I still have it, and I do play it from time to time. Uh, Near Reincarnation, they had a Final Fantasy fourteen collaboration and a um, a Near Automata collaboration that I, I played in both of those, really enjoyed it. They, did, they actually ran the Final Fantasy fourteen collab twice. I played both of them, got all the characters. It did cost me a lot. Uh, moving on. I have, uh, oh, Gundam UC Engage. That's a new old one. I say new old because it's new for us in the West, but it's actually uh, old in Japan. But uh, that's a kind of uh, turn-based, tactical, Gundam-based game. Um, what else do I have? Oh, Blue Archive. I don't play this one a lot, I, but but I spent too much money to delete it, so it's still here, and I can't delete it. Um, yeah. Okay, so you, mobile gamer here. I, I have yeah. played a lot. I will say... Um Obviously, I don't really play a lot of mobile games myself. I guess if Master Duel counts. Oh, Tact OP. Uh, I forgot about that one. Okay. Yeah, if Master Duel counts, that's my mobile game of choice. Um, I guess does Duel Links count? Do you play? I know you haven't played too much Duel Links I always lately. Forget, I always forget to mention Duel Links because it's a given. But yeah, I mean, I, I have Duel Links. I haven't played as much Duel Links because I spend. And Duel Links is like a never-ending well yeah, they say, of spending. They say it's, it's a lot worse than Master Duel is for, for like taking your money. Um, yeah, I play Master Duel. I've never been able to get into mobile games too much. The times that I've tried, it's always like kind of blown up in my face. Like I wanted to maybe play some of the Infinite Runner games. Like I played that Sonic one for a little bit. I wasn't really able to stick with it. Infinite Runners, Paul. This is not 2010 anymore. You know, there's like still like the, what's the newest one? Like Subway Surfers or something? They play that Subway on the bottom. Subway Surfers of, is not the newest one. Or whatever it is, there's one that they play on the bottom of the TikToks. <laughs> like you know, when, when there's like a TikTok or. Or whatever, like Instagram reel, and it's like, here's an important thing that someone has to say, and then here's gameplay of an infinite runner on the bottom half of the screen to keep your, like, mind engaged. Uh, I tried to play that one Nintendo game, and it, like, Dragalia lost. I was like, okay, I'm going to play oh, a mobile yeah. game. And it seemed pretty cool, and, like, it got, like, shut down, like, months after I started that. I mean, the writing is on the wall. I mean, if you pay attention, the most of these games, especially if they're on, like, Google Play or something, you can see their revenue, from month to month, it's like public oh, so yeah, information. That's going down you can there. usually tell when a game is gonna when it's gonna go. I feel like your uh, your mobile gaming habits also kind of inform maybe your views on like buying packs and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, guys, I have a problem. I mean, I, I gotta be very clear about this. I do have a problem. Um, I. Oftentimes, I believe that if I want something, I should just spend the money to go get it. That comes f- that comes from and is fed by my gotcha gaming addictions. Everyone says like, "Oh, I hate the pull rates in this game," or "I hope I can pull X new character." I never say those types of things. I, the things I say, I say either I want the character or I don't. And yeah. if I do, I will spend, spend until I get it. Yeah, I think that's actually kind of important to bring up just because, like, um, 
for a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast. I know, like, I'll see in the comments, people are like, Alec is, like, so crazy. Because, like, you know, you've said in the past about how, like, the idea of buying packs to kind of get what you want is not, that's not, like, an unappealing sort of proposition for you. And if, if the card is something that you want. And I think, like, a lot of people hear that and they're sort of like, wow, that's, like, really crazy. It is. And it, it's, it certainly is out there. Or at least, you know, the companies like it. But, um, yeah, that, I guess that just kind of contextualizes it. Is is like, if you're used to playing gotcha games, I see how a, a person might end up kind of just being like, okay with spinning for the thing that they need. And that's only if you're not a like, free-to-play gotcha game player. Most gotcha game players are free-to-play, or they're very light spenders, like they're dolphins. I have definitely been a whale at times. <laughs> Is that a term, a dolphin? I, I've heard yes. of the term whale. I've uh, never heard of dolphin. Yeah. So um, in like gotcha gaming, I would call like 90% of the player base is probably like free to play. Is that like a fish? I mean, they're not even in the water. Uh, fish. And then you have like you have like dolphins who kind of spend when they're, when they're like really interested or they'll like buy the most economical things, the economical like packages. I a dolphin sometimes then. But like when you whale... You kind of throw caution to the wind. But, guys, I can't be a whale anymore. Uh, my student loans have come due. So my I have officially retired as a whale. I'm, I'm you know. Uh, Help Alec pay his student loans by like, liking the podcast. <laughs> like, um, I, I, that, that, that part of my life is over. When, when it hit October and I got, you know, the feds start, you know, knocking on my door and ringing my, my, my phone. I'm no longer a whale. All right. Well, I've got the next question. Oh, I need well, one too. Will Konami bring back drafts? Um, is that what this person asked? Will Konami bring back drafts? So, uh, will they bring it back? Maybe should they bring it Should they bring back? it back? I think so. Will they bring it back? It doesn't seem super likely, but I would like it if they did. Um, I guess... With drafts, I like the idea of drafting. I think it's very fun. I think it's very cool. We've done a lot of the different Battle Pack draft products as videos. Mm -hmm. We tried to do one recently as a tag duel. Did not upload it yeah. because the video footage was kind of not great. It was scuffed, yeah. Um, there was a glare on a lot of the cards, and it was hard to see everything on the mat because it's like four people. But anyway, um, I think that the draft sets are really cool. I think that they're well-designed. Like, Battle Pack 1 was... Uh, it's really crazy. It's a very hot and cold set. But like with Battle Pack 2, War of the Giants, they kind of cleaned it up and I think made a, a slightly cleaner, more balanced Battle Pack. And the Battle Pack 3 is, by most people, seen as the most fun one that they've done. But all of this actually um, is predated by the fact that Yu-Gi-Oh! used to do draft with mainline sets, like at Sneak Peeks and stuff when they would release, um, kind of back in that like DM and like early GX era. And mm -hmm. it worked really well. I think that you can't really draft packs today because everything is so, like, archetype-driven. Archetype and, like, a lot of times the archetype support that you're getting is, like, two or three or four new cards for some archetype that came out years ago. And so I couldn't just do a draft of, like, you know, Cyberstorm Access, Duelist Nexus, like, Age of Overlord, because I'll pull, like, a couple of new cards for something that's really old, like... I couldn't draft with like the Unchained cards in Duelist Nexus because there's technically only like three or four of them, right? It would, they'd be useless. So it'd be kind of useless. And the same goes for many things. So uh, if they made a new like a new approach to draft, they would have to release new draft products that are like 
made for drafting. Yeah. What do you think? I agree 100%. Uh, you didn't say anything I disagree with. Yeah. I mean, what type of, like, maybe theme would you want for a draft product? Like, if they were to do one. I know we've played all the, like, kind of speed duel stuff. Um, I would like packs. to see, and this, I'd like to see a pendulum draft uh, product. Because pendulums, like most uh, things, are actually more generic than they are archetypal. You do have archetypal pendulums that only work within an archetype. But a lot of what pendulums have are just general cards. I would like to see that, too. I think it could be fun because then cards like Wavering Eyes are suddenly super duper relevant. Oh, yeah, that would crush you. Maybe even a little toxic. Uh, maybe I shouldn't put that in the pack. But, but it's like, not so bad when everyone has a weight wavering eyes. It's kind of like if everybody in the room has like a gun with like one bullet. It's like, so who's going to draw, right? Yeah. In a way, you don't want to play your wavering eyes. I think that'd be really fun, though. Like a, a pendulum draft set. I always think it'd be neat to have like a link draft set. But then it's like, I don't really like link monsters. I'm not much, a fan. So it's, you have to be very particular with which ones you do and don't include. Because there's so many like link ones that are really busted, and but I feel like yeah. with a link draft, it would be extremely samey. Because then it's like, what monsters do you put in there? All the ones that it's just going to be like cyber soup and like just token generating things, and then a Crusadia. Mon- yeah, the Crusadia just monsters that just summon. Because I think that that might get a little bit more boring. Uh, this is like a slight tangent, but I think that like a problem that I actually have with the modern link monster, it's not. In- entirely like the case but largely the arrows don't matter anymore they've abandoned the link mechanic yeah the the link mechanic right has been kind of just it's just irrelevant now it's obsolete because link monsters are still good obviously people are still summoning opelosa they're still making access code they're obviously sp little knight right when was the last time you got you linked yeah but yeah you linking doesn't happen anymore even just the kind of whole like pointing to mechanics don't really come up anymore you might see the occasional, like, stray, uh, you know, relinquished anima, perhaps, right? Like, it can take something at points, too. Can't Seven Man Great do it? Um, no, I guess not. They don't really... I mean, like, Sun, well, Sunlight Wolf still does that, like, if you summon something to where it's pointing. Yeah, they do that, yeah. So, like, there's a little of it, but I do feel that, by and large, the arrows have become irrelevant, and it's just more about, is it Borland Dragon and Axis Coat? You know, they're busted and strong. Or just, is it a Link one that, when summoned, gets some effect, that gets some advantage... But the arrow part doesn't matter as much. And I think that it, that was at its most creative with cards like Geonator Transverser, if you remember that. You lost me. It's um this little rock, like Earth Link 2, where like it, the two things it's pointing to, like it points like there and like there, like diagonal up and like diagonal kind of down the other way. It switches control of the monsters. And I also thought that was like a really cool thing. That's fun. You know, it can be like a way of outing stuff. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you've got this troublesome boss monster, but I can literally just put a monster here and then make my Geonator in the extra monster zone. And, like, I get it that's not for everyone. And, obviously, it's... Why don't you just use Anima? Well, but Anima, it's got to be, like, pointing to it. So... Oh. So, in avoiding Relinquished Anima, they will put their monster in a zone that would allow Geonator Transversor to... You know, got it. Th- that sort of thing. I think, like, making the columns and the zones and the arrow thing is, like, what made Lynx seem unique, and now that they have kind of reverted the master rule, you only really use Lynx for, like, boss monsters and, and combo extenders. And Link ones, because that's the only extra deck monster you can make with just one thing, with one card. Yeah, so, in that way, I, I just think, like, a Link, if they made, like, a Link draft pack, I would want it to focus on those elements, and mm-hmm. I think that it might be kind of hard to do, but it would be cool. Fair. 
Anyways, that's it for the draft. Should they bring it back? Yes. Will they bring it back? So this Probably was a not. hot take that I read. Uh, deck builder sets should be structured decks. I've said this in the past, and I agree asterisk. I am actually also agreeing with an asterisk. Okay. So here's my asterisk. Um, I think that deck builder sets are wonderful. Mm-hmm. They really are very cool. I like that the decks can be kind of built from the pack, right? Like you have everything you need. Sometimes mainline sets don't do that, or there's just like so much kind of support stretched across many different sets or whatever. Um, and I like that. I think that's cool. I also think the deck builder sets here, usually they're well-balanced, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. The reason, though, that I'm a little apprehensive about them being structure decks is I don't think that they would be successful for Konami in terms of, like, sales. Because, A, once you've bought the structure, you don't have to buy more. You need to buy three. Yeah, but then, like, that's it. You buy three and you'll never buy them again. And also, like you were saying actually earlier on this same podcast, there are usually, like, is the archetype everyone wants to build, the archetype some people want to build, and the archetype that virtually nobody wants to build. And you can look at nearly any deck builder set and find that trend. And that would... And so by, like, kind of having them all just in one set, we're forced to deal with all the archetypes regardless. Mm -hmm. If there was, you know, a... Just taking the last one, Wild Survivors, as the example, the Vanquish Soul structure deck would probably sell pretty well. The Nouvelle structure deck and the Trentinosaurus structure decks probably would both just not. Like, yeah. And for Konami in that case, it's like, well, what's your asterisk? Um, it's actually much the same. I like the idea of just being able to get my hands on all the new deck builder stuff. Like, for one even price instead of having to pull pack, pull pack, pull pack, pull packs. But yeah, um you have to market that somehow. Like how do you sell that to people? They don't know who these monsters are. Or like what some might catch their eye, some probably won't. You know what it kinda makes me think of? What? How magic does so many of their like they whenever there's a new set, there's like Four new commander decks for mm-hmm. it. And they all just get released. And that's always so wild to me. But, like, they do that. And and it's, like, every, like, three months. And I mean, they Yu-Gi-Oh, have the same meanwhile, situation. we only get, like, maybe two, three structures a year. So, I think, and I, yeah, that's what, do they have the same situation where people yeah, kind of don't? Some, some commander decks are considered worth it. And some are not considered worth it. And, you know, so that, you know, mar- magic is ruled by its market price. So you can tell which ones have the value because they will be, they have less, they have a higher market price than the others. And the, the ones that people don't want as much will sit on shelves for much, much longer. Mm-hmm. And that won't, but hey, new products coming out in a month or whatever. So, yeah, so you almost don't have to care. It reminds me, too, of what we were talking about earlier, like that Ruxin video where there's just so many Yu-Gi-Oh products that kind of coming out in rapid fire. And it makes you wonder, would people just get overloaded by this sort mm-hmm. of thing? Like, would it just maybe seem like, okay, like, it's a bit much. You know, I'm, I'll just, people might just decide, they'll get fatigued and just skip things. Right. Just Because I'll just wait in another, because there's going to be more stuff in two more weeks and more stuff in two more weeks after that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think they'd be, like, better suited to structure decks, sure. But I don't think they would sell super consistently well, and then Konami would probably... Yeah, it might be a problem. They, they probably just wouldn't like that very much, so... Oh, one last thing about the draft thing, just uh, that I thought about with that question, 
like Wilk and I bring back draft, player interest plays such a big role in these things. Mm-hmm. He's, we reminded me of it when we were talking about like the deck builder packs as structures. With draft, uh, Konami has tried draft in the past. Yep. Um, I think in like 2012 or so, when like the battle pack first came out, they made it where like you had to use it at YCS events in the top cut, and that wasn't very popular among players. And so, it's just one of those cases of like people will say that a thing would be a good idea, but like, will they put their money where their mouth is? And in a lot of cases, they, they, they kind of won't. So much like with like draft, people didn't really buy a lot of those draft sets. You'd see them sitting at one Walmart and Target shelves, just no one, no one bought them. And now we can barely find them. Yeah. So now they're just completely, you know, they're gone. But the same sort of goes for if they did like the a Vanquish Soul and a Nouvelle structure and a Transcendosaurus structure, those Nouvelle and Transcendosaurus structures might just be on shelves, not selling. And like, and then shops just kind of won't stock that anymore because they learn the hard way. Oh, well, people don't buy this. So like, why, you know, so. God fell in with them good reprints. <sighs> So my honest question then is like if they did these deck builder sets as structures, you know, would you buy them? Like for people listening or watching or whatever, like I'd buy the Nouvels. Like would you? Would you? You'd buy the Nouvels. I'd buy the Nouvels. Yeah. Would you buy Transcendosaurus? No, nah, I'm not interested. Do you think the average person would buy Transcendosaurus? Maybe dinosaurs are cool. But do you think they would? Like, Maybe. Like, like what do you? What do you think is like the would be like the distribution? Like, X percent Vanquish Soul. I think Transcendosaurus would probably sell more than Nouvelles would. I think Nouvelles might get it just because Hungry Burger. Like, the meme kind of That's Yu-Gi-Oh players, but, like, the, a general, like, public. You think the general public might be more into it? Yeah, I think they just... I think either way, they're both going to be, like, 20% of sales total. I think it's going to be, like, a lot of competitive people try to buy the Vanquish Soul thing, and then we're just fighting for scraps between the other two. Yep. And local card shops... We'll have a bunch of them sitting on the shelf that never sell, and like it's just the end of the story. Those are the ones that end up at they're at like CVS and, and like Walgreens, mm-hmm. and uh, you just kind of see them. And there's going to be someone who's listening to this and saying like, "Oh, Paul, you're, you're complaining again." But I'm telling you, man, we like we've seen the darkness of like how when a set doesn't, when like products don't sell and sit on shelves forever and rot, like players will say, swear up and down that this would be cool, but if they don't buy it, Konami ain't like they'll learn. So, facts. Anyways, I think that's it for the podcast. Those were our questions. Yeah, thank you guys for submitting them. Thank you guys for your positive reviews. As always, drop likes, leave comments, leave uh, positive reviews on Apple, Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening. And let us know how you feel about using uh, Google Forms going forward. Yeah. And, of course, any thoughts, comments, topics, feedback on anything that we talked about today. Yeah. Sweet. We'll see you guys in the next one. Pass turn. turn.